Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grade, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. Blackout Live. It's your boy Jay Targaryen, Lord OGR. We got Chris Gonzalez, aka Gonzo, and we got Eric, the E in Ray's Juke Joint. Now, Gonzo, I was getting ready to quit right now, right when you wanted me to open up the goddamn show with 2008 White Sox. Now, I enjoy talking about the GOAT Nick Swisher, but I feel like you're going to take a different turn. What why? Why are we going back to 2008? That could be very well the worst year of baseball in my life. What is wrong with you? Yeah, and it was actually a birth to this show name, surprisingly. But, uh, yeah, we're going back to 2008 because it was in May of that year that this White Sox team was six games under 500, And on a Sunday – this man of ours, this manager of ours at the time, was going at the fans, the players. He Ooh. went on a pre-game rant. After that rant, a couple c- series later, they went 16-9. and nine. And as you know, we all know what happened the rest of that season. They had a game 163, and then they go to the postseason. Screwed it up after that, but we called it the blackout game. Hopefully this team can do something similar. I mean, it wasn't looking like that way at all to start this year. But uh, a lot needs to happen for that to happen. And uh, we got to see what Pedro can do with these boys to try to change this culture that is different from the past. Yeah. Uh, we'll see, man. I mean, it's a crazy I, – I never even heard about, like, that start. To, I, I didn't really remember it, I should say, to the start of 08. But uh, it's crazy the resemblance to start – the seasons um, from then and now. So crazy if things can replicate each other, if history repeats itself, but uh, I'm excited regardless, because there's a lot of baseball to be played. Yeah. Uh, Eric, you've been around the White Sox probably way longer than me. I'm 16 years old. Uh, What do you see in this season right now? that's different from the other, uh, all the others in the past. What, what stands out about this year? I mean, I guess I'm a little bit with Gonzo, right? Like, I just still think there's plenty of room for hope. I think what you see is you see, hopefully, 
you know, some people are trying to grow out of their old shells and into new, at least on the offensive side of the ball, into new, into different approaches, different players, different changes of themselves. I mean, the common thing now that everybody talks talks about that people knew nothing about three years ago, besides the few nerds, you know, people are talking about chase rate. It's all you can hear people talk about now is chase rate, chase rate, chase rate. But as you watch this team and you watch a few of the people grow and the things they're trying to do with the new hitting coaches and new stuff, like you see it working, you see it go back to their old ways. You see it working, you see it go back to their old ways. So I'm excited that some of that goes, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Now, uh, we were talking about, you said, you said something that stuck out, chase rate. Let's look yeah. at Luis Robert. Let's look at uh, King Max boy, Oscar Colas, who can't even fight, buy a fucking at bat right now. You got Jose Barrios on the mound with a thousand ERA, and you can't even get a left-handed hitting outfielder in the lineup. Well, I mean, when you're profiling players and you're thinking about abilities, you have to understand there's different things. Certain players can get away with higher chase rates than others. That's not a one-size-fits-all. I'll give an example. Tim Anderson's had a terrible chase rate his whole entire career. He still led the league in batting average for a long time because he has great bat-to-ball skills. Like, that's just right. what happened. One of your favorite players, uh, third baseman for Boston, uh, yeah. Devers. Rafa. Devers. Yeah, terrible chase rate. Bottom 10% every year in the league. Still puts up huge numbers. You can have bad chase rates and still be productive if you have great to bat ball skills. The reason why Oscar Colos was should never be here and it's never going to be that person that people thought he was going to be is he has the terrible chase rate and not good bat to ball skills. So what you see is a lot of weak grounders, a lot of things on the insides, a lot of right back to the pitcher, Eric. Right back to the pitcher. Like I think he's dead last in. Average, average exit velocity right now in the league on Savant. Like, he's it's just not ready. Like, that development doesn't change. You don't ever change from your core. You're never going to see Robert turn into Juan Soto and all of a sudden take 100 walks. You never – that's your DNA. You can tweak it. Maybe you can help get away from the weakness a little bit, but it's never going to change or it's never going to flip. So when you look at the profiles of players, yes, so the White Sox have – Chase issues, of course, they're going to have. It's the reason why I hate team stats. Tim Anderson, chaser. Luis Robert, chaser. Um, Andrew Vaughn up to this season, chaser. Eloy, chaser. So you start putting like team stats together, it looks bad, but Robert, TA, Eloy, and Vaughn have figured out ways to be productive even though they've chased. So, like, yeah. it's not the end of the world. It's more about just profiling and seeing what they understand, you know, and how that's going to project long term. Gonzo, Gonzo, how do you feel about that bats uh, for the Sox as a whole, as a collective right now? Well, I know Eric brought up the rookie and Colas, but, I mean, we have to re realize it's not even just the rookie. I mean, we're just having bad at-bats, period, bad approaches at the plate, up and down our lineup. Now, like, a guy like Colas, like, remember in the spring, we saw the coaches sit him aside and, like, show him the at-bats and, I mean, I hope they're continuing to do that, but like at the same time, you're seeing a lot of pitches low and out of the zone that he's chasing at, and like you need to have that approach to talk that with him to let those go. Look for at least look for begin looking for a fastball to drive, and going from there, allowing those off-speed pitches low and out of the zone. Let them let them go. If they're starting below your belt, let them go. Like that's just an approach you can't have, but. You know, I mean, you've seen a guy like Robert do the same stuff, chasing those off-speed pitches low and away as well 
ever since he's been here. It's and consistent. It's, something that, it's consistent. It's something that hasn't changed over time. Um, but a guy like Colas, like you see him now and there, like it, it seems like he was trying to pull everything in the beginning, and then uh, you know he goes from some some of those at bats he'll take the fastball and drive it, you know, opposite field. But uh, it's here and there, and there's no consistency in their approaches. Um, but really quickly, guys, uh, Ozzy Duran will be joining us later in the show. Um, he'll be he's got other priorities at the moment. But wow. uh, we began this uh, game feed for the game today, and we're going to be talking through the game going on right now in Toronto as uh, Luis Robert just strikes out, talking Again. about a pitch, really? talking about another, talking about another. Uh, topic there that Eric was talking to us about chasing pitches away. Um, not really shocker to begin the game here. So regardless, now we got Benny up. So it looks like Jose's Barrios is hitting the corners with this fastball. So this will be an interesting game here. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, we got Clevenger in the mound and Eric, I see a lot of things on Twitter talking about, Clevenger and the metrics going against him, yet he's had some d- good performances to start off the year, being 2-0, and leading us on two of those wins. But uh, do you think that those bad metrics are going to continue throughout the year? Or, you know, how do you feel, foresee Clevenger going the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a plus – plus five starter, plus four starter, wherever you want to put him in this rotation. I mean, he's going to have, you kind of already seen it, right? I think he's got two outings of no runs given up and two outings of four or five runs given up in last any deals. But he's at this stage of his career coming out to surgery, just going to be where he's locating. Like you hit it earlier with Barrios. If he can live on the corners, if he can get him to go, you know, that's fine. You know, or whatever the case, you know, or whatever, like, that's where he's going to have to be in order to be able to keep going, to be able to call long term. But, you know, when we're talking about, and I get it, everybody wants to apply chase rates, and I get what you're saying. Gonzo, you're right. Blow the knees and let go and stuff, whatever. But players aren't going to be able to change. You just can't change that. You can't take it out of the players. You're never yeah. going to make TA all of a sudden lay off pitchers. Robert ain't going to all of a sudden lay off pitchers. Coos is never going to change his approach. Like, that's not some, that's not a teachable skill. That's, you're, that's already born and bred in there. Like, can you tweak it? Can you bend it? Sure. But, like, it's just never going to happen. Yeah, it's and Eric, happen. I want to talk. I talk extensively about the development within the White Sox organization. Is there anybody who can at least get you to think about doing something different? Like, can somebody implement another system to get these guys to look themselves in the mirror and say, hey, maybe I do need to just cut this section of the strike zone out of the equation just to start off with a, with a count that I could be on top of? Well, I think you're going to see natural athletes or different players of the game be able to pick it up quicker than others. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Like, T.A. didn't have a ton of at-bats, but you're talking about a man that was one, two, three in chase rates, and he was, like, in the 40 percentile um, in his early going of this year. So you could yeah. tell the work that he put in, his ability to lay off that pitch, happened. Um, you look at Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn was... I want to say 15 to 20% bottom of the chase. Now he's all of a sudden up in the seventies. You know, he's got a hundred point differential between his, between his batting average and his on base percentage. So like some people are going to be able to pick it up and make those, those tweaks better earlier, sooner other than that. And like, but some people are just going to be stuck. You're, you're just going to get what you're going to get. 
Yeah, and Eric, we just watched uh, Benny on a full count just take a pitch that was close for strike three called looking. Like, you just hope that a guy like of his status on this team would at least follow that off at the very least and bet, take you know get that get another pitch coming at you to either walk or do something with. But that's just upsetting that even we you know with what we paid him that so early on the year, which I mean he has the most hits on the team. I won't take that away from him, but you yeah, need to have a I mean, better. I mean, granted, like I said, full count, but still we need to at least. You need to change the momentum in this series, and it would be good to follow one off at least to extend that at bat. Yeah, it looks um, like the pitch was spinning, and to be honest with you, it looked like the pitch just didn't move. <laughs> it looked yeah. like he thought it was going to break, and it was almost a hanger that just hung in the strike zone. Like almost like Perry yeah. just got lucky there. You know, it was supposed to break out of the zone. I mean, what, what way it looked to me, but I mean, I'm not going to live in the bat to bat. I'm not going to live in the first 20 games of the season. I mean. We're finally starting to get to where people got 75 or 100 plate appearances. You can finally start to put stats together. You can finally start looking at stuff and have an example, or whatever. But I mean, if anybody wants to necessarily complain about like Benatini's starts, like his WRC plus, I believe, is right on 100. His OC, his OPS plus, is right on you know league average. So I mean, like, if that's his terrible start, great. I'm happy. He's league average. Like he's if that's as, if that's as bad as it's going to get, everything's going to be fine there. I'm more concerned about. Eloy at 79 and Colos at 52 and Robert at 89. Like those are the things that people like just don't understand. This guy, Jason Spencer is a real asshole. He's been invading most of our broadcasts, but we appreciate the comment, Jace. Uh, Eric, we're, we're getting to a point to where Benintendi could be batting 330 uh, in two weeks and it still wouldn't matter because any, everybody else around him is so fucking unproductive. It's we just seen a few roster tweaks, right? Maybe even a lineup tweak. I think, but I think you're going to see it once we can get Ta and Makata back. Like I think you'll see a couple of changes happen, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Like, but my reason for optimism, if you're talking about the season, is I had questions when we came in. I want to know what Makata would look like, what Grandal would look like, what Lucas Giolito would look like, and all of them have been all pluses so far throughout the season. I mean, then you're going to tell me you want to take a stab at who's which two players are leading the team in WRC plus? Benintendi and what, Sevi, maybe? Yeah, Burgers <laughs> won Burgers yeah. one by far and Sheets is two, you know, if you take a bump qualified deal. Moncada's third and he hadn't played in a month. You know what I mean? Wow. So like like some of these other guys have got to get back and figure out ways to, you know, to be more productive from this stuff. But like ultimately knowing that TA is down. We all know what that does to the offense. Makata's down. We all know what he can bring as far as, especially in the run producing categories and WRC plus and OPS plus. Like, and, you know, having those guys down, Eloy's already been on the, the DL. The opponents we played so far, I think the stat was today, 650 winning percentage. Like, there's been a lot that hasn't gone right. But if mm-hmm. you don't think you're going to get me, to, you're going to get me to freak out in less than 25 games played. I mean, that's for somebody else. That ain't for me. That ain't for me. Yeah, uh, I just want to take a step back uh, with our three-game set in the TROP this weekend. Gonzo, uh, I know you want to get into McClanahan and Cease. What did you What did you see within that particular showdown? McClanahan and Cease, you said? Yeah. Well, how about we actually just roll right into Grafal's grounds? Cause, uh, Damn, this was okay. One, this was one yeah, hell of a series to talk about. Yeah, because George Springer, I've been trying to put in a fucking trade for George Springer, and it hasn't been working for some reason. So let's just get to Griffalls, Browns. How about that? 
And I... I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a, you know, on a on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, a, on you know, on a, whatever our team needs at this particular moment. And this is Grafal's grounds, folks. We all know what we like to do in this segment. We like to break down the prior series of this past week. And uh, let's start on Saturday's game in the trope, in the trope, where he literally walked Wandy to get to Randy, and Randy already, <laughs> Randy already homered in this game, and he just felt the need to go after Randy. And uh, I think you need to pick your guys and choose who you're going to go after, and that. Series, I'd go after Franco, um, especially after what Randy did earlier in the game. Um, I think what NBC yesterday had, uh, what was what was their their pregame? It was uh, choose your bet or something like that. Like Randy is their main man right now on that Tampa squad, and that's straight up situational baseball that drives me nuts. That we're going to allow that guy to hurt us more and not go after. Didn't Franco just come off the IL too recently? Uh, prob- probably. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember. Training, but he's been uh, relatively so. healthy this year. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Okay. I'll, I forgot about him, but uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised by that, uh, that decision. Um, what do you guys think about that game on Saturday with that moment of uh, the game? Well, me personally, I I would have handled it a completely different way. Like, the inning started with the winning run on second base, the fastest player on the fucking roster for the Rays, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to walk Wander to set up a double play, why wouldn't you just walk the bases loaded so you could get a force out at the plate, if anything? You're not going to double up Randy at the plate in a situation like that, especially when we don't even have a consistent defense now. Jake Berger has made some plays this weekend, but at the same time, in totality, there's a there's going to be a lot of action on the base paths, and I don't feel comfortable with the White Sox in that situation. If I if I was the uh, if I was Pedro Grafal, I would have walked the bases loaded and took my chances with Lau, who's been a fucking strikeout machine, a guy that you could at least limit contact because co- any type of contact would have hurt you in that situation. That's just in my opinion. Yeah, especially a guy like Randy that's looking for that fastball that he's going to drive. Like, i totally go after Franco, a guy that's younger. Nasty Grant, guy, slider but, by Clevenger right now to Bichette. Nasty. Yeah, that helped us out that he chased that pitch in a full count. Thank goodness. Um, but, yeah, going back to Franco, like, granted, he's got a lot of potential in him, but younger guy like him, I'm going to right, try to go right at him, get that ground out to, for the double play with, the California rule with the runner on second. Um, yeah, that's very granted. What about you, Eric? How did you feel? Yeah, about... I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate the decision. Like, you can go righty, you're gonna go righty, lefty, Lambert against Franco, or you're gonna try. And you don't have a double play scenario, or you're gonna set up to go to Randy. Either way, you got to pitch to Randy. Either way, unless you're gonna do what Justin did, you're gonna try to walk them both. But then you bring the sack fly rule into the situation where you right. don't have a minute for a second where you run can score from third. 
you know, if I had a problem, if I had a problem with the situation, because I thought Josh, Justin brought up a great point that they're winning runs at second. I don't like Jimmy Lambert there. I'd almost rather it's Deakman or Bummer. Yes, I know they have mm-hmm. wild tendencies and they have walk tendencies, but they also have big swing and miss tendencies, which we needed some strikeouts and we needed some guys put in that situation. So, like, if I'm redoing that situation, for me, it's not Lambert in that situation. Either I'm giving it one more to Raylo or I'm going to somebody with bigger swing and miss potential than Lambert there because putting the ball in play is in trouble, especially with that, as you mentioned, one of the fastest guys in baseball leading off on second base and only got 180 feet to go to score. We were in trouble yeah. to begin with. We, we needed some strikeouts. And I don't think Jimmy Lambert's getting too many of those Ks. And it, it's kind of hard for me to, you know, put a stamp on the season. I know it looks fucking bleak, and I know I've been crying on the internet. But let's just say two months from now, instead of having Jimmy Lambert or Deakman in that situation, you'll have Liam back. You'll have Garrett Crochet back. So I think in a situation like that, Grafal will have more tools in the toolbox going forward. I think we've just been handcuffed the first month of the season with uh, the, the no doubt. Even Joe, Ke- even Joe through. Kelly, who's back now, yeah. he's got a better swing and missed stuff than Lambert does, right? Like that was probably, if I had a complaint, that was it. Now, one interesting scenario that, you know, I could see if you want to go Gonzo's route is you could have tried to get, you could have went ahead and tried to get Franco there. Then you could have walked Rizzarina and went after low there with two outs and guys on first and second. Then that doesn't hurt anything. You could have went that route. I don't think there's anything wrong with that argument or whatever, but I understand some of the double play not want to go righty left to two. So, like, I get it. Yeah, it's just tough because overall with the, the California rule with the runner on second, like, you're you're trying to marginalize the one run in that inning. The and... problem is the problem is you had scored no runs to begin the first inning. You had, like, yeah. what was it, Elvis, Sosa, and Colos or something coming up that inning that just didn't barely even touch the ball. Like, Right. You cannot not score. You've got to score. You have a guy on second. Yeah. You're in an impossible situation. Very much so, and that's very true. But, again, like I was going to say is it just – I don't like putting more guys on the base paths, but I understand why you'd want to go situationally to try to get a ground out, you know, double play. Um, that's why I was kind of preferring what Eric just said in that situation. Um but regardless, uh, we all saw what happened in that game. And to be honest with you, out of the three things that we're going to highlight, that's the least of my worries. Um, and I want to go back to the game on Friday. I don't. I saw Grafal put Sosa at third prior to Friday's game, but I didn't know why situationally for defensively you're going to put Sosa at second to third and then put Rami at second and then – I think we really have to consider also in this game. I would, I wanted them actually to put Graveman as their um, closer, just because of the experience that he's had in Houston and Seattle. And there's nothing wrong with. I feel like we put too much on a guy like Lopez. We want him to be that closer, but not honestly. It takes a whole mindset to be a closer, and some guys just don't have it. You can have the best stuff, but you, if your mindset is off, that role is just not for you, and that's okay. Yeah. You can be you can be a fantastic setup man and get paid to be a setup man, and get your holds to put your team in that position of the ninth for your closer to shut it down, and that's okay. But a guy like Lopez blowing a three-run game in that moment, 
that's just that's heartbreaking um yeah and don't get me wrong i mean we've seen leads like that by our solidified closers happen but i just see too far often too early in the year like his first save he had in houston he already gave up home run in that game and that, that lead narrowed down to one run and we he was very fortunate enough to get out of it and hold the save but we've seen some really shaky performances in that role so i would just love to have him be that setup man um and have graveman in the closing spot which lately we've seen graveman starting to you know look like himself again and Ooh. really like he Extend did kind of seven you like that you like that you like that yeah i like that that's good right and you didn't know chip clevenger yes. just get out he just gassed and you know, got out of that first inning. Juan Diego said he hit 97. I didn't believe the comments until I just see him right there. <laughs> yeah, right on the hands, too. Right on the hands, right? No, I love this topic. But go ahead, Justin. I want to talk about the closer role, but you go. Yeah, so uh, I'm thinking of, like, Ronaldo Lopez is in that Andrew Miller situation. Closer stuff, that's not his role. Andrew Miller was a great 7-8 guy, but in the ninth inning, that is not where he needs to be to get the best uh, the best value of his stuff. So when I look at Ray Lowe and I look at him compared to everybody else in the bullpen, he probably has the best stuff in the bullpen right now until Liam and Crochet comes back. But I do not see him as a long-term closer. If, if we end up at the end of the season and Ray Lowe has 20 saves, that would be a failure. That would be a complete failure. Yeah, so, you know, my take is a little different than both. But, you know, Ray and I talked about this on the juke joint a little bit. Like, the reason why I don't want to see Lopez or Graveman close is because, like, they are our two best guys out of the pen, right? And we know we're thin. We know we're thin. Like, let's worry about getting to the ninth ahead first. How many more games have we blown with having – you know, Santos or Middleton or Deakman yeah. or somebody else in a spot in the sixth, seventh, and eighth when we didn't even get to the ninth to even give Raylo a shot. So yeah. last year out of the pen, I it's really close. Somebody's gonna have to look and fact check me, but either Lopez was 61 and uh Graveman was 60 or Graveman was 62 and Lopez was 61, but in his pitch, but they were the two most used guys out of the pen so right now if it's me and i'm managing this team they're one and two out if we're ahead i don't care if it's the fifth inning the sixth inning the seventh inning i'll worry about the ninth inning if i get there ahead i want I my best get there. on the mound while we're ahead so if it's three to two in the fifth go get me go get me lopez for two innings let me get it to seven now go get me graveman to the eighth and i'll worry about trying to figure out who's closing then but let me get there first before putting it on and i'm not worried about Lopez's mentality, I would probably question his stuff more than his mentality. Uh, you know, whatever. I think he's made for the closer role. Like, he seems to thrive there. But, I mean, we've all seen Liam. We've all seen closers get hit, give up bombs. Now, is it highlighted because we're struggling and it was a bad spot? And yeah. I think that was the game. The White Sox fell way behind. Kopech was terrible, right, in the first inning or something? And then he yeah, calmed down he and came all the way back or whatever. Yeah, so, like, it stung, it stung you know, a little harder. But uh, I, if it was me, I would – Worry about the ninth if I got there ahead versus giving it to either one of my two best guys right away. And I'm going to jump on that because I want to hold, like I said, I want to hold Lopez there in that role. But 
I also want to hold off and keep Graveman as my option for closer because there's other guys I want to give opportunities to really prove themselves, like Santos, like Middleton. I want to give them shots to get, get these holds and get us to the ninth. And you need to find your guys and what you have in your bullpen and really allow them to prove themselves because really that's what Tony did for Lopez to prove himself as a relief pitcher yeah. and to be getting us holds and to be that setup, man, that we didn't think he was because we, we always thought he was a starting pitcher. So in a way you can say Tony did create what we know now in Lopez, but we need Grafal to find out who his closer is going to be to find that closer or not that closer, but that uh, setup pitcher for the middle relief innings. Um, and I'm excited for that because, again, I know we talked in the previous episode about Santos and Milton, and um, I've been really stoked about what they've shown so far. But, I mean, you know, I'm sure they're going to get figured out, but he's going to have to make you – know, th- both of them are going to have to make their adjustments to the league when they do get, you know, hit or start, you know, seeing what they got and turning on them. Every, every MLB player has to make the, their adjustments, and – I'm excited for the adjustments these guys are going to make. Um, yeah, you won't even see Santos on the roster, though, come soon. He's the only one yeah. with an option. You know, it's going to be interesting because now you're going to be talking about your guys with options or are you going to start DFAing guys for not performing? I don't, probably... I, I don't know who you're going to DFA if you don't think it's not performing. But I don't – yeah. It'll so be Santos. Think, you don't think Santos and Lambert would be the think... first two guys – down. You don't think they're going to DFA Deakman when Crochet comes back? No, 0% chance. I don't even know why you would think Deakman's underperforming. He obviously hasn't put up his Savant page in quite some time. <laughs> the Savant. I, don't have to, I don't have to look at the Savant page when I look at his performance on the mound. Oh, you don't? What, no. what, did you see that, what did you see that you don't like? The swing and miss potential? The low contact rate? Like, no, what all the runs like? given up. I mean, I mean, but still, that, though, that was even there. That I was mean, even there in the games in the spring that I was there. But regardless, that's spring training, so I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna put too much onto that. But I'm just not like what I'm saying out of Deakman. I just felt it was what's not the, a what's move we should have made. Because, like, honestly, he's been the he's probably been the worst arm out of the bullpen. Like, I don't like his body language coming off the mound. I think he's just gone, To, in my opinion. Uh, is, his, is his number too high to keep him on, uh, on the roster? Or what, 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 what avenues do we got in that regard, Eric? Yeah, no, I mean, he, I, he won't go anywhere. I mean, the, the extension he signed was very club-friendly. You know, whatever, he got paid for years, make a couple million dollars. Same thing with Deakman. Deakman's got a year and a half gone. I mean, there's no way they're going to possibly move on from him and pay him for a year and a half when he's performing. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can never possibly see that scenario. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to think about it too. It's like what's happening right now because of injuries, you're seeing people in spots you're not supposed to be in. You're seeing Sosa shouldn't be here. Cola should have never started here. You know, uh, you're seeing Santos, Middleton, Deakman, taking these key spots and these roles, you know, or whatever, when like they are supposed to be what Lopez was when he first came back as a reliever. He was the junk guy, the guy in the fourth or the fifth, 
the guy when you were down to, you know, whatever, eventually he had earned his spot into getting trusted and he did excel a little bit in that setup role. But like this bullpen's really deep, but we've been minus, you know, four arms. Now we got one of them back, but we still got some more to come. Yeah, so yeah, it's we- going to be hard to judge the totality of the bullpen when we have a lot of talent that's not, you know, uh, available right now. Like, we're not just talking about, like, two high-leverage relievers. We're talking about Garrett Crochet, who would throw 100, and he was starting to come into his own, and Liam, who top three closer in the game, bottom line. So, yeah, uh, I, the bullpen's going to get better automatically. It's just being able to shuffle the names around to keep a clean 40-man roster. I think that's the trick right there, but I agree with that you. That is there. a trick, right? That, that is a trick. Yeah. That's a trick because – you look in the bullpen, like, let's go through it. Liam, nothing you can do, right? Crochet has options, but you're never sending him down. Lopez is out of options. You know, it's his last year. Lambert still has one, but more than likely he stays. Deakman don't have options. Middleton don't have options. So the only three players that are in there that have options are Crochet, who's never moving, Santos and Lambert. Like, those are the only people that can probably even move out of those 10 guys. You don't want to also cut yourself so short that you can't get by another injury or another fatigue or another deal. You're just going to buy time, especially for guys like Santos, who if this bullpen is set up well, he would be your seventh or eighth guy out of the pen anyway. So you're not going to burn somebody's, you know, death for that to keep him on the squad. I think it just depends on his performances at that point. Um, but this is the but, stuff yeah. you just hate. You want to talk about frustrating. Like, you get through the heart of the lineup and you just lead off walk the second, right? Like, you mm-hmm. got through trouble last and you lead off walks the guy in the second. Like, and that's then, the kind of uh, stuff that drives you crazy. Another word on the Blue Jays. This is the part of the lineup that's been really successful now. Uh, Eric, you just alluded to, we just got past the big name, the Bichettes, the Guerreros, the Varshos. But there are guys down here like Merrifield, Danny Jansen, who's turning the lineup back over to those guys on a very consistent basis. So you don't want to get yep. into a habit having these guys linger around the bases, and now you're pitching a Boba Shet with the sacks packed and some meat on the bone, and it's only what the second in it. You're gonna be around. You're gonna be hovering around 40 pitches again, and this would be the same thing. Uh, the reason Clevenger only lasted three innings his last start. So. You got to don't want to get some outs. You don't want to lead off walk the six hitter or whatever that guy was. Like you just don't want to do that, right? Like that's just yeah. not ideal. Yeah, Eric, it's did I miss it or did uh did they uh send down Banks back to Charlotte or is he still on the roster? He's still here, I believe. Okay, so that's another option that you know. But he'll be gone. Here. He'll be gone though as soon as Geo's back from bereavement. They sent Gio. Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember, Gio had something, so when they, so they got to bring Kelly. Yeah, like, his grandma back then. And he's slated, Gio is slated for Saturday or Friday. So yeah. we know he's definitely coming back for sure. Right. So when he comes back, yeah. I'm guessing that corresponding roster move will be banks back down to Charlotte or whatever, because Kelly's already here. Yeah. And all right, our last game from this past week on last, or a week ago, last Wednesday. Actually, the guy on the mound right now, Clevenger, he was at 75 pitches after three, and he got pulled for Trevor Banks. And if I'm being honest with you, um, I didn't really understand that because you have a lot of games and a lot of innings to eat up. So for me, with that situation, I would just allow him to go out in the fourth and to keep going. 
um, at least see what you can do to get out of that fourth inning if, if he was able to, or, you know, then put someone into the game. But I still think it was an early pull for Clevenger at 75, considering yeah the rest of that game to go. Um, and then later in the game, I actually thought there was a situation where they pulled out Colas for Romy for a uh, substitute hitter that I didn't quite understand at all either. Because um, really, Romy hasn't done anything, and I would at least allow Colas to try to get some slap it the other way or, or somewhat or do whatever. But yeah, there's this decision in that game that I didn't understand either. What, you guys, what were you guys thinking about that one? Uh, well, I, I mean, I'm a Romy Gonzalez stan. I have all one of his jerseys, and I don't understand why the fuck did you pull Oscar Colas for Romy Gonzalez when the numbers are right there. Romy couldn't hit a fucking wet paper bag at that point. Not saying Romy's a bad player, but he's been cold. At, if you got Oscar Colas up in that situation, at least let him run it out. Like we was talking uh, on BGR I was like, Colas is struggling. Do you send him back down? And it's like, for what? Send him back down for what? What is, what is that going to do? So, I mean, if you're going to pinch, why would you pinch hit form with Romy of all people? I, I just don't get it. No. That yeah, just... uh, the, the Clevenger thing, I don't think it was so much the 75 pitches, and I think you heard him say after it. Anymore, they don't like their pitchers to go, you know, more than 30 or 40 pitches in one inning. He threw, like, 41 pitches in that third inning. And I think that was more of a safety precaution than necessarily not bringing it back out. As far as pinching him for Cole, it's like, listen, I mean, I, I get it. Everybody wants him to be good. But you're going to throw me lefty-lefty against Cole in a big spot and watch him just swinging a ball in the dirt again or ground it back to the pitcher? Like, I, I hate it. We have to go to, we have to, we have to, go to Romy. But having a lefty-lefty Cole in a big spot, like – I don't care who you pinch hit there. Maybe Sebi. If you want to have Sebi come off the bench instead of. Well, instead of Eric King, I mean, Mack told, King Mack told us that uh, Oscar Colas was penciled in for 25 bombs. Rookie of the year, probably a gold glove. So, I mean. There's there's a chance that he could be a player of the year and there's a chance he could hit 25 bombs. But that'll be in Charlotte. The yeah, gold glove exactly. thing is never happening. He was never. Or Japan again. He was never going to be a good outfielder. He's not going to be a good outfielder. He was a first baseman. Like everybody else, so like, and you can see it right now on the stats: negative four defensive run saves. I think he's like third or fifth in outfield jump and eighteen in OA. Like, he just he needs time. The kid needs time. And I get they're trying to reward effort. He seems to be a good kid. He seems like he wants to learn. He seems like he cares. Like I love what Gonzo brought up about how he went right to the uh, hitting coach and was looking at stats. You know, whatever. Like I know he went early with Romy to his guards place in Florida started taking hitting practice. It seems like he's willing to work, but just let him work. Like learning at this level seems crazy. seems absolutely crazy. Yeah. yeah and I don't think it's certain, actually, go ahead. Congo. I was gonna say, I don't think it's crazy at all. Cause I mean, he deserved, it. he proved himself in the spring. He was our best option. And I, I said earlier in the year, what? I'd on, rather hold on, him. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right, go ahead. How did he do? How did he, what did he do in the spring to deserve? What part of his under 300 OBP did he deserve to possibly be on the major league roster? I saw him do it a lot better than any other option out there. So you think that the guy that's second in the team in WRC plus 
or Eloy in right field and keeping Berger on the roster was never a better option than bringing you up this Eloy kid. in the outfield and right field. Have you seen Colas's stats? Do you want to see who's better? Yeah. But at the time in spring training, <laughs> we got to go back to at the time. Dude. At the time in spring training, he proved himself. I don't see what you and I was there. Saw. I was that there in spring it. training to see it. Like well, he I, proved himself at the time hitting. He made his adjustments in spring training, and I'd rather what, him. What did he hit? Two forty and got on base at two eighty clip. That's yeah, what you well, saw that you loved so, so he much. He struggled the last week of the of the season to lower those stats, but and for a good part of spring training, he was doing solid, and he was making his don't... adjustments. So I'd rather him struggle early on the season to make those adjustments to finish off the year than to just overpower himself and get brought up and struggle later on in the year here in the bigs. With his profile, he's just never never going to be a big league player. To let, to let profile he's more athletic for Gavin Sheets in right field. So that's a guy that, I mean, I know me and you, Eric, we didn't want this to begin with. I know we wanted them to go sign a, a, you know, a guy to go play right field to allow Colas to grow up. Because we at that time, Eric, this offseason, we didn't know what he was going to do in spring training. But at the same time, like we only can look at that in hindsight, and we can only go with what they did, with the decisions they made. So, so what's, well, what's interesting there is I get, like I said, I think they're rewarding effort. They're trying to change culture. The kids put in effort. It seems like he cared. It seems like he's done all the right things. Everything you've heard about him, high energy, great clubhouse guy. I get why they tried to force him into this spot. Um, but it's just going to be till that swing and miss rate, which was there all spring training, all last year in AAA, AA, the strikeout rate being huge. Until all that is fixed, you're not going to be able to beat Major League Baseball pitching. It's just not going to happen. And then the walks come back to haunt. <laughs> we just talked about this, Eric. Yeah. Leaving ducks on the pond for a guy like Danny fucking Jansen to hurt you. Yeah. You just can't walk the tail end of these fucking lineups. You can't. You can't. Yep. Oh. Throw a hanging slider. You, you heard what Lance Lynn said? Yeah, the, that was funny. The sweeper could fuck off right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. Which, when I, when I watched, when I watched Clevenger in the spring, it, it, I I liked what I was seeing out of his curveball, but I haven't really seen them, you know, throw too much here in the uh, in the regular season. I was kind of shocked that, the, you know, they're not testing it out, really. Just well, he's you know, thrown a couple, but from from what I've seen, he's just losing a command a little bit. He's missing high a lot to a couple different. But even guys. if you like, even if you're losing it, like you don't know what you're gonna have start to start. Like you don't know until that day. Like when you're on that mound and you're feeling your pitches out, you're like, all right, today I got this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have this. Like I would definitely be, you know, mixing it up in that first couple innings, see what I got. And I just haven't really seen that out of Clevenger or Giolito. Like I know. Uh, Justin, that we both wanted Giolito throwing that curveball more, but he's kind of resorted back to that slider changeup mm-hmm. and given given up on it. So it's kind of frustrating on your secondary pitches here with this rotation. Well, I'm, I know Gio got ambushed a little bit Sunday, but in totality, I'm, I'm okay with the start he put out. It looked like he had yeah he settled down a little bit, gained control yeah. of the game. Uh, his tempo slowed down. Cause I think he was working a little bit too fast early and Tampa Bay feeds off that. 
So once you slow the game down a little bit like Gio did, you've seen, but we're not getting any fucking run support. There should be no reason why I'm borderline getting ready to drive my car off a bridge because the White Sox are down three. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. You, you feel like you're beat already, right? And what's crazy yeah. is in all the noise and all the stuff, as much as and we have a lot of reasons to be negative and it's hard not to be, but I think – I know as of yesterday, the White Sox have scored the most runs in the AL Central. And I think they're one run now behind the Twins, maybe after yesterday. I didn't look today. But, like, they've scored some of the most runs, too. It's just like, but you're right, you feel beat. I'm so happy today that I don't have to look at the 7, 8, 9 of Colos, um, Sosa, and Elvis. Because, like, that was just, you made a point about how good this Jays bottom half of that lineup is. That's been almost nine outs for two weeks straight out of those three. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And to go off to what you're saying, though, Eric, you just talked about the runs. It just feels like we get all these runs early on and then just take our foot off the gas pedal and coast because yesterday we put those two, you know, runs on the board right away and then we just end the game with two hits. Like, it's pathetic. We can't – the problem is we can't beat these guys out of the pin with our approaches right now to your point earlier – Gonzo right. and with those tail end of that lineup just being absolutely, I mean, terrible. Like the, they're all negative offensive war guys, you know, those three that I just mentioned. And like it puts so much pressure on the top half of that lineup to get something done going through, you you know, or whatever. And you can feel them pressing. You can feel Robert pressing. You can feel every, you know, Eloy pressing. You can see it. Yeah. Uh, this is actually my favorite segment of the show. This is the Stone Pony Bean Tweets. Uh, Eric, you know about my Twitter career. Let's get it on, big dog. Okay, Gonzo, what do you want to start with first? You want to get the accountable colonoscopy up here for a second? Look at this shit, man. Uh, now, uh, Eric, I don't know if you're aware of the, the soundbite Kenny Williams gave us early by uh, Dan Van Chowen, showing, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but the word accountability has been fucking thrown around all morning. I'm actually sick of it. And his tweet reads, accountability around here is not the problem, quote, I, along with many White Sox fans, beg to differ, Kenny. Uh, what do you think about the accountability within the organization? I mean, it's tough, right? It's tough to see a lot of things. And with the way this year has started, <laughs> you know, or whatever, it's I can understand why your common or your normal or your fan would, would not take too well to, you know, that turn. Now... What did he mean by it? We'll never really know. Unless somebody's going to sit down and ask him, right? Like, we can all assume that he means that people think that Han or himself or Grafal or somebody needs to be held accountable for something that's going on. But nobody this year is taking actions, like I said, into what are we What are we in? 25 games? 26 games? Like, nobody's, like, nobody's freaking out. It's not even 15% of the season played yet. Like, nobody is for sure freaking out about this year just yet. So, I don't know what he meant by it, but I get why everybody's hostile. I understand it. 
now uh, you know there's a lot of that article that we saw with kenny speaking and you know things are bad when kenny comes out 25 or whatever games in and starts talking yeah now i was okay with a lot of what you said but at the end there what the highlighted portion of that is accountable accountability is not an issue well how is that not an issue when you've been playing 500 baseball since the second half of 2021 with the talent that you have and all the expectations that you put on this core, like at some point now I love, you know, I don't say I loved, but I, I really appreciated Tony for, you know, a lot having that guy here, but there's one thing about him that was a flaw and he changed his approach as a manager from having that accountability to trying to be their best friend. And it didn't really work at all. I think that he thought that the, the difference of the generation was that he had to be either a friend than, you know, be stubborn and actually had, you know, had strong and trying to not be a friend to him, but it didn't work out. And um, I was skeptical about, originally I was skeptical about the Pedro hire, but then what I've heard from the inside, I kind of changed my mind on that. And I really tried to give him the benefit of the doubt and see what he, he would do, what changes he would make. And all we heard this spring was the changes that he's making and but we're not seeing what he's putting out there to the media what he's saying i'm not really seeing what to the words to his actions i'm not seeing those actions put into the words that he's saying and yeah. I, I need to see i need to see him hold someone accountable and i haven't seen it yet and with this struggle going on right now I mean, when is it going to come? It needs to come at some point because I feel like if you keep doing the same thing, you keep doing it. It's kind of like the definition of insanity because you're expecting some change, but you're not getting it. You have to do something about it. And I don't know what he's going to do. There's a lot of ways you can go about it, but I haven't seen anything yet. And it's um, a little worrisome because things can definitely get out of hand rather quickly here if you uh, keep on losing series. Yeah, I uh, I just think that we've been through Rick Renteria, Tony Larusa, and now Pedro Grafal, and the DNA of the team is still the same. We're still complaining about Rick Hahn. We're still complaining about Jerry's wallet. Like, what's gonna give? Because there is no fucking way I could go on MLB Network every off season and they got my favorite hometown team, the White Sox, <sighs> fucking. They're, they're poised to win a World Series, but then I look, and we haven't won a series yet. Who, who is there to blame? Who to blame for poor performance right now on all fronts? Because it's the whole organization. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I get it. But like I said, I mean, less than 15% of the way in the season, I don't think anybody's panicking or freaking out about this season just yet. And, I, and it is hard. Gonzo's got a valid point. Like the team has been 500 forever and it's been the deal. It's been the thing, but really this team has nothing to do with what 22 did or what 2021 did or what 2020 did. They just don't. And we've yet to figure out exactly what this team is going to be. And unfortunately, you know, whatever, it might be June might be, you know, if you get, we get to June and there's less than hundred games going on. The White Sox are nine, 10 games back. I think, it's time for some serious conversations of where we're going, where the future is yeah. heading. But until that point, I think everything's a little too early, you know, to act or whatever, especially when you look, unfortunately, even though it's been a year in year out thing, you're right. 
Um, you know, but this team has been a shell of itself when you've already talked about Makata T and Eloy already missing time, not to mention the pin. But, you know, um, Justin, I think you hit something on the head earlier. Like, I get excited about teams like the Pirates, right? You saw what they did today. They uh, extended Reynolds, yeah, right? They and they got that Reynolds. good. And they got that good young core. You know, it makes me think back to when we were that team, right? Makata was going to be the star. Anderson was going to be the star. Uh, Robert was going to be the star. We were off and running with these guys, but somehow nobody ever developed. Like nobody, you know, somebody said that today in chat. I don't know who said it, but it was funny. But like Luis Roberts, the same player he was in 2020. Yeah, like that was Italian. Yeah, actually. Yeah, he, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. And, he, and you know, and if you, you know, and he's not the right. bag. They are the exact same. They are the exact same team. Exact same, exact same player he is. We're he can hurt bad pitching. He can hurt some hangers. Yeah. But pause. Pause really quickly. We had the veteran Elvis really hustled on that baseline to avoid a, a tag off that was off the bag, and then now in a typical ground, you know what would be a ground out here. You had an, another bad throw by infield for Toronto pulled off Vladdy right off the bag. Good hustle down that line. He's safe. We got runners on first and second with one out guys. And now this is a great opportunity here where situational baseball, you need to take advantage of these opportunities with these errors that they're making and oh, get yeah. back into this and get back into this ball game. And that's um, another thing too. Like this is bad yeah. baseball right here, right? This is bad mm -hmm. baseball. This is what we watched last year. In my opinion, I haven't seen a lot of that from this team this year's wide size. I've seen us get beat. I went rock loss record. Ain't that great, but I haven't seen us beat ourselves nearly as much as we did last year yet. Yeah, there, there's been some plays like the, the TA uh, injury at third base where it's like a, a bad throw on a rundown, cost my shortstop yeah. about a, a, a yeah. four weeks. But at the same time, I agree with you, Eric. We haven't been getting our ass whooped. We've just been losing. Yeah, it's just like it's just been – what can we possibly do to – oh, he's changed his towel. I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if they try to double steal there. Um, but scratch that now. Yeah, they said if he so, was on the bag, but yeah, no, I mean, I, think, I don't know. We'll have to see what how this plays out. But I just that's just uh, unfortunate. I thought he was safe there. Yeah, I don't know how you overturn that. To be honest with you, because you still have to maintain your momentum on the bag. Now, with with two yeah. outs right here in a run producing situation. Why wouldn't not? Why isn't Luis Roberts shortening his swing and just trying to make contact instead of going for the two-run homer? Because he took the first. He took the first pitch. Uh, the middle, ball, middle, inner third. The middle, yeah, exactly. middle. Why aren't you trying <laughs> middle, to make middle. solid contact on that pitch? Yeah, I mean, you he's in between. Two outs. He's in between, but like you and I have talked about this before, Justin. If you're talking about Robert, you're talking about Mankata, you're talking about Grandal. You know, whatever these guys are going to roller coaster just because of their approach, right? And you know, there's things or whatever. Like I know he's four for forty something, but you know, he's going to go twenty for fifty here in a minute and hit four or five more bombs, and everybody's going to want to claim him the best ever again. Then he's going to go four for forty again. It's just, just who he is. Once you understand who they are, you don't get too high and you don't get too low. That's just the player they are. Yeah. I got a tweet right here from uh, actually myself, and it was, it, was, it was something that I was thinking about. I was Everybody's asking Luis Robert to move up and down in the order when it's not the issue. 
The issue is his DNA. Yeah. He expands the zone too much to give the pitcher, uh, to force the pitcher to throw strikes and run producing situations. We're looking right here where he's actually worked it into a full count, but this is only just half the battle. How is he going to finish this at bat? Yeah, well, you know right here, he's not going to give in to him. There's no way he's throwing him a 3-2 fastball here with first base open, right? He yeah. shouldn't. And this is going to be another slider. I'd be shocked if it's a fastball. There's a slider yeah. in the middle. Roll it over. But, like, that's the kind of stuff that I just, you know, I wish that, like, he was more prepared for, right? But hopefully they'll get to him and he can learn and curve some of these tendencies a little bit. But I agree with you. Moving him in the order don't matter. Like, if you had to name – Let's just do it. If you had to name, we're going to the top of the ninth or the bottom of the ninth, down a run. If you had to name our four best hitters you want that closure to go through, who are those four hitters? T.A., probably yep. Grandal, Benintendi, and maybe Eloy. Yeah. Maybe. But even then, look at Eloy now. Like, outside of the home runs he hit in Florida, it looked like he had a fucking hole in his bat. Yeah, Florida. to me, you know, I'm happy. To me, I want somebody. The problem with Robert, and you said it, his approach is sometimes he's not a hard out. I wish he could end up being a hard out for a pitcher. Sometimes he gets himself out. A lot of times he gets himself out. Gonzo talked mm -hmm. about swinging way out of the zone, right? Like, he gets himself out. Look at uh, I, uh, going back to the old Twins teams where they had the outfield of Lou Ford, Torrey Hunter, and Jock Jones. Torrey Hunter was the best outfielder on the team, best player on the team. But look at Lou Ford, hard out. Jock Jones, another hard out. Who's outside of Andrew Benintendi and uh, Tim Anderson? It's good morning, good afternoon, good night for some of these guys. I mean, Grandal, yeah. he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna see a little bit more pitchers. But come on, Every, yeah. everything is just yeah. room service. Justin, what else we got here on the tweets? Yeah, let's see. We got some uh, Ryan McGuffey stuffy Oof. here. Uh, this one right here. Hey, Gonzo, I ain't going to lie. When you told me to put this up, I almost ended it right now. Uh, the White Sox have lost five straight series and 10 of 12. They're 7 and 16 for just the third time in the last 25 years. So two, two and a half decades. There are a few players on the roster that just look lost at the plate. It's April 24th, and it's a long road uphill. Uh, Eric, he's not playing the long game. He, he Doom and gloom is in the McGuff uh, Twitter sphere right now. Yeah. Well, well, I think you see a lot of the guys that get paid for do this. Like, that stuff sells, right? It sells. It sells to be negative. sells to complain. sells to do that kind of stuff. Um, I think somebody had a pretty good tweet that nine out of the – in the last two years, nine out of what would be what, 20, well, they expanded it to 14. Nine of the 26 playoff teams have had a worse stretch than what the White Sox just went through. Now, does it suck mm -hmm. because we probably can't afford another one of these stretches? Of course. Does it suck that it's got to be the first beginning of the year? Of course. But the best news of all times is we play in the AL Central. <laughs> yes. It's 100, 135 games left and you're six games behind. So it's not exactly yeah. a time to be like must win games and must fix now and huge road uphills. Like all that shit's just for clicking. Just for clicking. Yeah. There's six games behind you play the twins, twins in two days, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So like, and, and uh, to be honest with you, Eric, I mean, throw the record, uh, throw the record away. I think the tribe in Cleveland has played way worse baseball 
than the White Sox yeah. this year. Yeah, way I worse. I hundred percent. And the Twins, I mean, if, if take the Twins starting pitching out of the equation, that offense has looked very sensitive and very well, uh, susceptible. Not only that, take away just take away the Twins' first two weeks of starting pitching. They can have the yeah. last couple of weeks, right? Take that first two weeks away. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're in a very gettable division. You know, so, I'm like, do we stay on this path and we just terrible all year? Sure, that's a possibility, but I just don't see it. I think our starting pitching is too good, and I think that our bullpen is going to be too good to stay at this pace. Okay. Uh, we're hey, in a situation so. right now. I just texted Grafald and told him, get somebody fucking warm right now before this game gets out of hand. Because you're already chasing three. Guerrero, Which feels like, feels like 100, right? Three feels yeah. like 100. We're down 10. And it's only the third. That's what that's what right. kills me. You know, so the three of us spent a lot of time over the last what year in this season. Like for the last two years, if we get behind by three for the last year in this part of this year, you just feel like the game's over. You feel like turning yeah. the channel, and that should never be the case, but you do. You feel like, what am I doing this to myself again? Oh God. You know, I, I actually talk about you know, that last tweet, I also saw that, what was it, that we had the worst April schedule based yeah. off of the opponents, but we're going to have the easiest in May. And, like, as much hope as we want to have for the easiest road in May, like, you still need to be playing better baseball to win these games. And, um, I mean, it gives me some hope, but at the same time, it's it's, it's frustrating baseball to watch. Um and you know, we're just really, it's not even the part that we're getting beat. Like you said, Eric, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot with this type of baseball that we're playing right now. Um, but go ahead, uh, Justin. We had what? I think we had our boy Nick on Twitter mm-hmm. post uh, yeah. his fantastic yeah, Nick, tweet. Nick, Nick, Nick basically wants to see somebody die. That's, that's what he wants. <laughs> like, I'm going to read this out. All right. This is starting to become truly pathetic. Ozzy mentioned this team looked like they don't even want to be in the damn clubhouse. If a table flip or a profanity lace post game, and he doesn't know if, if chewing somebody out will help. But seriously, at some point, this is fucking embarrassing. Unbelievable, White Sox. I agree with you 100%. I want to see some heads roll because at a certain point, you've got to be held accountable for poor performance, especially in a situation like this. We're not rebuilt. We're not a rebuilding team. I was supposed to be at some fucking parade in October with confetti and Miller Lite. Now they got hashtags uh, on Twitter saying just flush it. (laughs) Well, where did he tweet that? I'm guessing that was Sunday. Sunday was pretty brutal. Yeah. We got three hit. We got three hit by Zach Eflin and company. Yeah. That was. And I think Bennett Kennedy had two of them, I think. Yes. A double and a single. He scored our only run. Eloy drove him in. Yeah. That was big there. Big pop-up he got. Yeah. There we go. Woo-wee. He's playing with fire, too, with Varshaw up in the zone like that because he's strong enough to where he could he could be late and still muscle Dude. something to the outfield. Did you guys see that ball that Gavin Sheets got on top of in the eighth inning or whatever that was oh, the other day yeah, when they pitched him? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know what, Eric? You know what I liked about that, though? NBC, they they showed that bat, the analytical bat swing path of the yeah. bat, 
And that's why I love to see because like you, you couldn't believe it. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, okay, this is actually awesome seeing the bad path. And like he made perfect contact on that too. And um, it's shocking like how far he hit it to right field with that projection off the bat. With they said that's the highest level. pitch, highest pitch in the stack cast era to ever be hit out of the ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can't like, tell it, me he wasn't he wasn't sitting fastball. He was burning and turning. First fastball that yeah. you know. He's like didn't care where it was. He was swinging. Didn't care. Also, uh, Eric, I just want to highlight that when you, you brought up the two highest uh, WRC plus with, you said uh, Sheets was number two there. Yeah. It's crazy to realize that because of he hasn't really got that many opportunities yet either. So, like, now that Colos is struggling, I brought this up last episode, this rookie hitting that wall, you know, it's time for him to take a little seat here, a couple of games, low. Gavin to have his shot, his reps in there. Um, you know, I'm hopefully Gavin can do something tonight. But uh, this is exciting, though. Yeah. So what's going to be really interesting is is when everybody's healthy. Now let's knock on wood and say that we get there. I mean, because mm-hmm. we're, we're going to be back to the same conversations we were having preseason on how you set the bench. Because yeah. are you really sending Jake Berger back down? Uh, he's leading no. the team in WRC plus. He ain't going back down. In my opinion. So if he don't go back down, then you're stuck. Then it's either Sheets goes down or Colas goes down. Yeah. And uh just off of the top of your head, who do you think it who you think oh, it would be if it comes down to Sheets or Colas? I think I'm guessing the way that it's going or whatever. And if Sheets continues, like I said, he's second in the deal. I think he's hitting over three hundred or right at it. Um yeah. Like I just think I think they're gonna give I think they're gonna go give Cole six weeks or something in the minors to get himself a little straight, get him refocused, see if he can't get hot down there. Let's pause that though, because so what's this gonna look like? Because you you have Sosa and yes! Rami, up, Sosa and Rami up together too. Yeah, so I guess the way I see it going is TA comes back right, so mm-hmm. see ya, he's next back I guess. So Sosa will head back down. Okay. And then you'll have Romy. Your, your, your bench will basically be Romy, Burger Sheets, and uh, Hazley, right, or whatever. Then Makata comes back, and then there goes Hazley, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I, how the hell did he get out of this? How? That's – This That's should, big t- this big should fire the offense up right here. I mean, yeah. I want to see some real at-bats here. This is your second time seeing him today. What was he, the worst pitcher in baseball last year, Barrios? Like, Giolito. Like, I mean, he was throwing automatic BP last year. He was yeah. Giolito in 19. Yeah, worst pitcher in baseball. Mm-hmm. But I just can't see sending Berger down, and, I, and I'm and i with you. I think Berger and Sheets need some at-bats with Makata back. Like, if it's me, like, I think I just take Berger and, uh, I'm sorry, Sheets and Eloy, and they kind of platoon right field, and Berger DHs. Vice versa, however that kind of goes for a while. Yeah. But you see, we'll you see, see what Andrew do. getting some run at DH too lately. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to rest him, you know, or whatever the case. But you can kind of because Burger can play first, you know, or third. They can get some DH. Right field could technically be either one to three, two. If you wanted to now having Vaughn out there is not ideal. But another interesting thing I want to talk about inter- interesting with the White Sox is historically. Right field has been the second strongest position, right? Historically. Yeah. Uh, as far as defensively, it was supposed to be. Last year, the White Sox made an interesting choice, and they kept a better defender, Pollock, 
in left field the entire year. And then this offseason, which completely shocked me, obviously, was Benintendi signing and putting him in left. You know, whatever, want to go glove. And he made a heck of a play earlier on in the year down the line, probably saved one of our seven wins. But, like, and we, again, we go with the weaker fielders and right again. Like, I wonder if there's not something new in the data that we don't see, you know, or whatever. Like, are, are there more hard hit balls, better reaction time needed in the left field than there are right field? Like, it's kind of curious to me to why that's kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I, I don't understand it either. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, as far as in a right fielder, I just want the strong arm and the bad profile to play. I mean, obviously, Benintendi doesn't have like a, a cannon, but he is more than capable of playing right field. Way more. Yeah, capable. I mean, like if, I, he, if I'm gonna, he plays in center field right, and stuff, put, but yeah. Yeah. If I I was gonna say if I could put if I have the notion of put Pollock in right, then I should have no issue with Benintendi in right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Especially being left handed, I think it comes a little more natural, right? Yeah. Justin being left handed, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you gotta think like throwing let's just say throwing the bags. It's easier for Benintendi facing most of the direction that he's gonna have to throw, whether he's in left field. And the only fucking productive throw he could probably make naturally is to third base or home plate. Yeah, and then when you're and when you're running to the gaps, you're running to your glove side instead of running to your backhand, right? If you're left-handed out there, you know, whatever the yeah. case. So, yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's interesting because they told us early on that Eli was going to play some outfield, right? They they said it. They've been very said it since the beginning. You know, Grafal said it or whatever. Then you got sheets, so we know. Um, even though his dad was an outfielder, hasn't been the best outfielder, you know, or whatever. So to me, naturally that screamed, those two are going to put some time and left to get some at-bats with somebody else. That's what that screamed to me, you know, or whatever the case. So it ended up being the opposite. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Okay, Eric, now we're going to get into the nitty gritty. This is all about you. Our next segment is Blackout Live, where we bring in a fan, to come chat it up, talk baseball with us. You've been here forever, but let's do the formal intro. This is the Blackout Live. Now, Eric, I uh, I met you in the Twitter spaces with Ray, Elise, and everybody. We were talking about the Sox. Uh, give our audience a little bit about you and your uh, connection with the White Sox. Yeah, so I grew up uh, with my father, who you guys have heard me talk about before, you know, and he was a diehard White Sox fan. He was back when WGN used to broadcast the White Sox and not the Cubs. And Harry Carey was actually a White Sox announcer. And not the Cubs. The good old days. Yeah, so I grew up in my backyard, you know, between the age of five and ten, listening to the old uh, boombox outside with aluminum foil on the top, picking up every third <laughs> word. You know, you didn't have all these cool shows like uh, ES Baseball Now and Baseball Live and Baseball Tonight, so you might have to wait a day and a half if it was a late game in Oakland to see the box score in a newspaper. Like, I grew yeah. up on that deal. I remember my dad uh, 
I was about seven years old and booked us a trip out of Omaha to go down to Kansas City on a KMA radio station bus. And we're the only two White Sox fans in the whole damn bus going down to oh, Kansas man. City and back, you know, or whatever. So, like, now it's been in my blood forever. And, uh, you know, it's probably White Sox baseball is right there is my favorite thing, favorite sport. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, you uh, on the outside looking in, like, I like the Red Sox, right? I love everything about them. The way they go sign players, the way they carry themselves, the way every time you leave that fucking tunnel, winning is the only thing that matters. But when it comes down to the White Sox, it's like religion. It's personal. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. it, it, it's life. White Sox baseball is life. And we, we're in a situation now to where it's getting kind of abrasive. My eyes are bleeding watching the White Sox right now. Is this the worst you've ever felt as a fan? Um, it's close. I mean, 06 and 07 were pretty Ooh. brutal. Coming off World mm. Series and top five payrolls, like, to see those two seasons back-to-back back were pretty tough. Um, but, like... 06, 06 was brutal because how do you upgrade the team and not make the playoffs? Right. Right, 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 right. Like, that was... That was probably similar. You know, I was really looking forward, still am. Like I said, I'm not out now, but I was looking forward to, now that I've understood more and learned more about the business from friends and stuff or whatever, I was still looking forward to, but like this window here of T.A., Mankata, Robert, Kopech, Cease, you know, adding the Grundals, going getting the closer, like those are the kind of things you do to make pushes and to just see life was flat baseball the last year and then continuing on to this year it's been hard it's been really hard to watch like it's not it's not a good product it's not a good product yeah gonzo uh i we i talk about it all the time like 2008 was the last time the white Sox made me cry and it's because we lost to that dog shit tampa bay team after we've worked our ass off to not only win the blackout game but get back into what felt like Oh, 05 all over again. I got Ken Griffey throwing out Michael Kadir at the plate. I got Jim Tomey hitting the ball to 47th Street. Like, I was excited. And then, poof, gone. Now, I'm, I, I get to a point to where we're in 2023. It's like that every day. It's 2008 every day. Oh. Like, yeah, the, last in, the last inning was 2003, uh, 2023 in a nutshell. You just had fucking Mike Clevenger do some Houdini acts to get out of the inn and unscathed, and what did you do? One, two, three. Now he's yep. back facing a fucking pest at the plate in Whit Merrifield. Yeah, and Juan, Juan called it. Juan said, watch them score, nothing. Good job, Juan. <laughs> nice, nice call. I was really hoping they would do something, but no. Yeah, I mean, Clevenger's working his ass off. And again, like, you go back to Lance Lynn, what he said yesterday, you know, that sweeper threw that one bad pitch and it led to that big fourth inning. Same today, second inning. One bad pitch, hanging slur or whatever he threw, slider. Three runs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the point is you both made it, and I think you guys are right there, and I think you should stay there, like – the problem is if your starter goes five or six innings and gives up four runs, it shouldn't be game over. It shouldn't be death. Yeah. 
you should mm-hmm. still that's you know some days you're not going to always shut them out we shouldn't have to hold them to one run to win like if a guy goes six innings and gives up three or four runs you're supposed to be in the game like you're supposed to not feel like you're just dead yeah and then it, it was a game uh the blue jays had against houston where kevin gosman got lit up the first 40 yeah. seconds of the game he still gave them i think what six innings off of eight yeah. earned runs because the manager trusted the offense to get at least something back. He held it in his heart of hearts. And you've seen Gaussman respond. I mean, shit, he gave him five shutout innings after that. Like, you didn't get, Houston didn't get anything just because when it was time to compete, here it is. And now you look at this White Sox team. We said it all fucking show. You're down three. The game is over. Turn the TV off. Go watch Friends or something. Or if in my case, go watch The Office. Yeah, and then we're right back to walking the leadoff guy. Like, mm. come on. Come on. Walking a guy that stole 45 bags a couple of years ago. Yeah. So so he's probably going to be in uh, scoring position in the next 20 seconds. And then the guy at the plate is the one that just broke your back with a three-run Johnson. Well, you, walk, you walked mid- last time, too, I believe. Like, Let me check this box real quick. He walked belt uh, before. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah, he walked belt before in that same inning. And now look, Danny Jansen's apparently fucking. When when did the Blue Jays get Johnny Bench? Right. <laughs> now how we are? What the fourth inning? Kirk doing this. Fourth inning, I can't quite see that as well as I used to. Seventy nine pitches, seventy some pitches. I can't yeah, quite see 70, it. Yeah, seventy nine pitches. So, like, this is probably it for him. He's not getting out of here under 90, I don't think. Unless you get a double play here. Right. But you're wishing for a double play with Merrifield at second and Kiermaier at the plate. Those are two very fast guys. Oh, well, there we go. All right, well, you guys play the infield in and allow them to have second base? Yes, yeah, because know. Jansen Jansen doesn't run well. I could still get a cheap out. I mean, if if they yeah. score one here, it doesn't hurt me. Because mm-hmm. the game will be in the same spot. Now, if you don't play the infield back, Kiermaier could get a cheap infield Son hit. of a bitch. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that one. You know, that would have been a great <laughs> moment. Like that. that would be that would be a great moment for your boy cats to go out there before that at bat. Talk it out with Clevenger. I say it after the fact. I should have said it before that pitch. <laughs> yeah. A fucking we're talking about playing the infield in for a double play and he hits a triple. <laughs> the worst thing about this is, and Justin, you said it earlier. If you saw this box going down five nuts, you're like, oh, man, Bichette and Guerrero and Varshall, they must be killing us. Springer, oh, no. It's Jansen, Whit, Merrifield, and Kismire like, out there like, what the fuck? The, Toronto's looking like the island of misfit toys right now. <laughs> <laughs> you got guys beating us that, you know, you would love to take your chances with, and they're absolutely beat us. Yeah. All right, boys, let's take that. a – I was going to say, let's take a step back from the game now and get back to our regulated show since uh, 
we were doing much better in the game when we were on the regulated show than talking about the than talking about the game. Um, all right, chat. Our first topic of Blackout Live is what should the Sox do at second base? Your best worst case scenario. So let's just say these boys bounce back in May, right? And at the deadline, you're either in the you know you have the division or you're still contending with the division with Minnesota or Cleveland or whatever. What are you going to do? Are you going to roll? Continue to roll with Elvis? Are you hoping that one of these prospects takes over the reins at second base? Or uh, worst case scenario, you're at the deadline and uh, yeah, you're out of it. You're 10 games under. Are you trading TA? Saying screwed at that point at second base? Are you going to start or are you going to make a trade for your future second baseman for the next upcoming years? Boys, let's go around the table here. Let's talk about the problem at second base and the signing itself of bringing back Elvis um, for that being the constellation prize of second base going to this season. Um, what do you think, Justin? Oh, man. To be honest with you, I hate Lenin Sosa in the lineup. I'm starting to grow tired of Elvis Andrews. And my boy, Romy Gonzalez, is hitting closer to 150 than most. Uh, at second base, I think we should go out. We got to go outside of the organization. And I'm not trying to say make a trade for a guy for one year. We need a long-term solution. Now, we already botched the Marcus Simeon signing. Okay. We didn't go out and make a trade for a guy like Whit Merrifield, who would be fucking perfect for us. He'll, he'll fill a lot of fucking uh, roles here. Uh, I got a guy. I got a guy in Pittsburgh right now. His name is Rodolfo Castro. I don't know how high they on. I don't know what the price is, but he could be a great uh, option to go if you, if the Sox want to buy low. He's a switch. He's a switch hitting infielder. Has speed. Has some pop. Yeah, he got a little hole in his swing, uh, but at the same time, what do you want? What do the White Sox organization want to do with the position? Because is it do, Eric? Do you think it's something that they? They don't value second base. They don't think it's important. Um, I think like this year, you know, the Elvis signing in general. Like you were, you were right there, right? Like we didn't want to roll the dice this season with Sosa and Romy. Like that's with no backup plan. So like Elvis was supposed to, you know, whatever, buy like an extra year or whatever. Because if you look, you know, three of the best prospects in the White Sox organization aren't too far away, probably projected second or third base, you know, being Popeye, Ramos, or Montgomery. Like, somebody there is plugging that second base hole. So, if you're thinking long-term answer, then, like, you're almost clogging yourself or you're committing to something different, right, a little bit there. So, I think they were trying to, again, culture change. Everybody loved Elvis. Elvis was saying the right things, doing the right things, like, all the stuff, all the deals. So, like, you know, I think they wanted to see if they could buy a year and see if Popeye was ready or what Montgomery did. Now Montgomery got hurt. He ain't even playing yet, I don't think, you know, whatever. But uh, I think that was the deal. Now, but I do want to go through. I thought that uh, Gonzo had a great question. So let's go through the scenarios, right? Like, let's say all-star break five games back. So you're in the hunt still. You're still right there or whatever. Then I think you consider, you seriously consider about 
pushing your edges and getting maybe a second baseman. And then that way Elvis can go to your first guy off the bench. Romy can go back to the minors and refile on his stuff. And I think that team's pretty strong. Um, if you can consider doing that, like who can you get at second base? I mean, that's tricky. You know, if it's me, one of the first teams I'm calling probably are the Reds. We all know the Reds are selling. Johnny's India would look pretty good in a White Sox uniform. And he was a third baseman at Florida as well. You know, whatever the case, that would probably be one of the first ones that I would probably be on a phone call with to try to patch. But, yes, to answer your point, Gonzo, if you're in the race, I want to strengthen second base somehow and push Elvis to be in the first substitute guy instead of your everyday guy somewhere. Now, other scenario, if we keep getting beat by six, nothing by Kazmaier and uh, backup players, Danny Jensen, then like, and we're out of it. You're not, you're not wasting any, you're not wasting any capital or anything to go trade yeah, for you're a, a long-term, long-term second baseman. When, when you have Montgomery Ramos and Popeye all coming along, like you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't want to do that, but how if they're in the hunt, how close are we with Popeye right now? Um, he's double A. He'll probably be in triple A this year. So, I mean, I could see him, you know, halfway through next year, maybe the start of next year if he has a huge year. But, like, he's not terribly far away if he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably, this, probably the same projection for Montgomery, right? You know, Montgomery's yeah. probably year and a half-ish, depending on health. So you think White Sox brass just going to sit on this until the kids are ready? I don't know. I don't think they're going to necessarily sit on it. Like, I definitely feel there's going to be some to pressure be honest, here. To be honest some with pressure. you, I think they're going to sit on it because they want to figure out what they're going to do at shortstop first and then go from there. Yeah, we have a year and a half on TA, yeah. right? He's back next year. Then you're always going to have the tag option because they haven't got rid of that just yet. So. I can never see him moving on from TA. I would guess he's a long-term candidate sign, especially what I can't wait to see. And I hope you guys talk about this in the future. I'll be yeah. listening. But like, if can some pull up Savant? You have it, Justin? Yeah, hold on. Like, give me a second. I want to say TA's chase rate was like in the forty threes after being down in like the one twos and fours. If that man can learn to walk and lay off the pitches at that degree. If he's picked up that skill set this quickly, he's going to be a dangerous, dangerous offensive weapon for a long time. And especially mm. with the importance of second base now with the anti-shift rules, signing T.A. to a long-term deal and just swing him over to second isn't the end of the world. You think he's going to do that? I, I would be surprised if they let – what I consider the face of the White Sox, let alone one of the faces of Major League Baseball, just walk. I would be very shocked. I mean, they did it with Pito. He was done. There was a reason. That's true. I'm just saying as far as the face of franchises go. I mean, they didn't know. I mean, they signed him to three years and $48 million when they knew they weren't ready to compete or they knew they were on the backside of competing. You know, they gave him a three or $54 million. I mean, they gave him – they extended him from his deal. So When was that deal again? So they signed him. Well, it ran out last year. So what would that have been for 19, 20, and 21? So they signed him to the end of 18 for three years and 54. I think they tagged him. Then they worked out a three-year deal or something after yeah. that. Mm, Savani's loading up right now. That's all right. I just I know for sure the TA was always like one, four, seven, eight, and Chase. And this year, early in the season, he was like in the mid 40s. So like, if he's picked up the ability to lay off of the plate, and like something else too, we should explain. Like, we talk about Chase. A lot of people don't even know exactly what Chase is. Like, 
there's four parts of the plate, right? There's heart, edges, chase, which would be just outside, and there's waist. Like, if he can make pitchers come to TA more on the edge and more on the heart, I mean, he's going to – he could put up a special, special season if he can get back healthy. Yeah. I mean, watching the growth of TA was is amazing to me because I'm not really, like – too keen on like prospects and stuff. And when we drafted TA, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? What is he doing? Yeah. And then he hits his first career home run in Fenway. I was like, oh, that's TA. And then yeah. you, you fast forward up until the point now to where everybody wants Tim Anderson on base on base percentage to skyrocket. Why? When he's already no, three. Don't matter. Yeah. It don't matter. Like on base percentage is a worthless stat anyway. But the one thing I like to look at is a differential. Like, and you can live with T.A. only having a 30-point differential on his on-base percentage of batting average because his batting average is so high. Now, you wouldn't want him having a 30-point differential if he was hitting 230. But when you're exactly. hitting 300 or 310, you're all right living with that 30-point differential. But, I mean, if you look at the team, we're trying to plan. You know, you have C's, Kopech, and Crochet for three to four years. You have the outfield's almost set, right? I mean, you have Eloy, Robert. Um, Benatini, Colos, Sheets, um, all those guys are under contract three or four years. You know, the infield, you have Bond there for four more years, three more years. So, I mean, like, you kind of have this deal. But they're going to have to push some right button somewhere. I just can't believe T.A. is not going to be a part of it. It feels like he wants to be a part of it. I think he says he wants to be a part of it. I can't see him not working that out, but we'll find out. Tim Anderson is Chicago, the South Side of Chicago. And I would now, be, I would, I would be surprised if they don't sign him to, you know, seven or eight year contract extension. I'd be shocked. I just don't think he's gonna sign here. I think he's gonna wait it out, sign elsewhere. Gonzo, if you're, if you're Grandal, if if you're Grandal, are you taking that two zero fastball right down the heart? <laughs> well. At 67 pitches in the fifth, you're down six. No. Turn on that. There's no chance. No, you turn on that. Oh. Who, uh, because what are you looking for in that situation? What is he looking for if it's not a fastball in 2 0? I feel like he's trying to get on. Yeah. He's just trying to walk. He's just trying to walk. I think it was one nothing. I think he's, he's turning loose there. I think six nothing. I think he's trying to get on base. But then you just <laughs> hit into a ground. Oh, man. Eric, yeah. I'm frustrated. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, I'm okay. a little behind, he, but I'm Well, to go back to that discussion. He, 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 hit, he hit it right on the barrel. I mean, just right at him. Easy yeah. Taylor made double play. If the shift won't get you, the semi shift will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the like semi shift. I, like I think. <laughs> That should be a T-shirt. I got two T-shirt ideas for you. That one should be one, and one sixty-two ain't for everybody. That should be another T-shirt you guys should put. Oh yeah, that's, de oh, that's wait. definitely. We need I'm, to clip that moment. You know what? Everybody on a hoodie. I'm I'm clipping. Yeah, this. that's a we need a one sixty-two ain't for everybody a hoodie. I'm I'm first one ordering that. Making sure you get fat guy sizes for me when you're doing that. Yeah, we I got, got you. you. I'm gonna I'm tell Asia right now. We got to get on the shipping right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're gonna put our girls onto it. Asia and Soraya will get on our. Uh, yeah, our, our t-shirt line. Because I've I never seen people freak out over ten games when there's one fifty-two to go. Like I like wipe out Twitter again. Like it's quite amazing. And it's uh, and like I'm a knee-jerk fan. I'm a homer, so I think the White Sox should go 162 and 0 every year. Obviously, that don't happen. 
But when you look at the Texas Rangers, I forgot what year, where they were getting absolutely destroyed up until the trade deadline, and all of a sudden, they win the West. Yeah. So uh, I, I just think that maybe we do got to calm it down, but I think the problem with most of the fans is we're seeing the same team every day. Nothing changes. It's a lifeless bunch. And, I, you know, also, too, I wanted to bring up why we're here. I don't think it's ironic that Eloy, Robert, I'm sorry, yeah, Eloy, Makata, T.A., Lynn, Robert, they've either been hurt or struggled and all played in a World Baseball Classic. Like, I don't think mm -hmm. that's, I don't think that's coincidence. Yeah, and, and you know when you get these guys playing for their different country, that's a different brand of baseball than what we do in the United States. Somebody hits yep. a two-run homer, it empties the dugout. People are doing right. cartwheels around the bases, whereas when you come back to the States, there's a more buttoned-up game to play. And maybe we're not cut out. for Maybe our core isn't cut out for that outside of TA because he represented the United States very well, and I appreciate that. I mean, I, I did like the question about second base, but I guess, you know, it's been a while since I've chatted with any of you. Like, you know, what do you do right now to try to get this team out of the mud? You know, like, I know I know what I would do, but why don't you boys go? What would you guys do to get this team out of the mud? Well, you're saying at this very moment, not with T.A. Beck. I mean, whatever you want to do, whatever, whatever yeah. you think it is. I mean, whatever you think you want to have happen. I mean, obviously, like I said, Six games back, I don't know what the Twins are doing. I'm sure they're winning, so probably going to be seven games back. But, like, you know, you're seven games back with 100 and, what, 34, 35 games left. Like, it's a long ways from old. But, like, you don't want to panic. You don't want to necessarily send guys up and down, trade a bunch of stuff, change a bunch of stuff. But also, too, to Justin's point, I don't want to watch the same thing every day. I don't want to watch – I was going to freak out if I had – I was so happy they played Sheets and they played Romy today because if I had to watch – Sosa Colas Andres going, you know, 789 anymore. I was going to freak out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally, I'm really glad that uh, Chapman swung through that first slider because that could have been 7 none. Well, for one, I think you, you got to play with the – you say you don't want to play with the order, the batting order, but I would. And, I mean, I want to make sure that we get Robert going again. So, I, I do want to see Ben Tendi back at leadoff. Yeah. Uh, Hell, I probably put Vaughn in the two hole just to test it out because we've seen what he, the success he's had in the two hole, and then put Eloy three and go from there. Um, but yeah, that's about the best you can do at the moment with the with the current guys that we have at the moment. I mean, can't wait. Well, the, you're I thinking mean, you TA is back next week, you would think maybe at the end of last week. I would say no. I would say latest he's back is probably Monday. They said today he needed ten or fifteen at bats. Sounded like he's super close to going, so I could see him waiting until they're out of Canada and going down and playing a weekend in Charlotte, getting his ten or fifteen at bats and joining the team Monday, Tuesday next week. Yeah, because the the sec the start of the series is Tuesday next week at home. Oh, we actually have Monday off. Yeah. Yeah, you got Monday off. And Monday's also off for the minors, so I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're on to it, Gonzo. I think that's going to be – we get out of Toronto tomorrow, right? Then he can mm -hmm. go to Charlotte for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, take Monday off, come back home 
Tuesday and play. Well, Clevenger got two quick outs, too, in this inning. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know if it's going to mean fucking much, but <laughs> at, least, at least he battled. Back. I was hoping me coming on the show and me getting back into the spaces and stuff, I was hoping that I could bring some luck and we're still just shut out. Just absolutely shut out. Well, maybe Justin and I being at the game on Thursday will turn the tide a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. Twinkies. But, uh, no, Tampa. Tampa, yeah, Tampa first. Um, And that's going to be another – it's looking like it's going to be another C.S. McClanahan matchup, which is always – Oh, boy. That's always fun to see pitching-wise. Um, uh, I want to talk about C's real quick. Uh, Eric, hold on. We're getting to that. We're, we're, okay. we're, we're going to get to that. that. That'll be in our preview. I, I actually wanted to – well, first off, Justin, we got to change your your vibe at the game because they they've been getting blown out since you've been there. So. Yeah. Wow. No, literally. Literally, Eric. Like, it's been non-competitive. You got Blake Sable hitting, hitting the ball to the fucking concourse. You got Michael Conforto on one hamstring looking like Barry Bonds. It got really bad when me and King Mac was in, in, in-house. Literally. So, yeah, I mean, I wanna, you're I want to backpedal. Right. I do want to backpedal because uh, I totally forgot that in this discussion of second base, like you got to think about this again. Like you signed Elvis for one year, but and you know that you you were hoping for your guys to come up and produce. And Rami was on a tear in spring training, the mm-hmm. be, best productive bat you had. And then if you're, I just I, normally I don't feel bad for Han, but in this case, you thought you had something there, a utility guy, and you let Lurie go, and then Rami just collapses. So. And Sosa came up, and you know he's been yeah, a couple of good at bats, but then that's really about it. Just another uh, chase monster, no yeah. power, like yeah. Now to stay on that path, though, who do you think is going to be MLB ready? Like, who do you think is going to be the better prospect, Montgomery or Popeye? Um, I'm Popeye one. I have been for quite some time. I just think yeah. that he he almost reminds me a little bit of T.A. He does have a little chase, but his bats and ball skills are so good, and he's so fast. Like, I think, you know, I played about a half a year last year and stole, like, 45 bags or 49 bags down in yeah. Charlotte. Like, if you're talking about a second baseman, it's going to have 20, 20, 25, 25. Yeah. Range or power, like, give me him. You know what I mean? I'll take him. I, I don't care what yeah. he hits. If he, if he steals 25 bags and hits 25 homers, I'll take him. Like, and, playing and second Chet, base, that's such a plus. Chet. Everybody else listening to this on the podcast coming up here. When we say t- uh, Popeye, we're talking about Jose Rodriguez. Um, and I'm really high on Jose, not only him, but also Brian Ramos. I know he's another year or two away, but uh, I would actually personally, I would sell high on Montgomery, see what I can get out of him. Because I'm uh, definitely hoping that once Jose comes up, I, I agree with Eric. I'm right with you on that. Between him and Ramos, those are my two to go to guys that I'm really hoping for the best out of because, and I was there to see this past, or, you know, in March, I got to see Brian, you know, and his several at-bats that he had in that game. And uh-huh. I just love it. I was fanned out. That was the first time I got to see him in a Sox uniform because I didn't get I pay much attention to him at all in the minors last year. So seeing that live, I just loved seeing his, uh, how patience he, the patience in the box and, 
even more so with the patience with his bat through the zone, he's going to be he's going to be exciting to come. And his his first at bat came against Blake Snell, and he ripped one and it just went right to the you know the the left fielder came in the dive to steal a base hit away from him, but he just ripped it, and and that that was. A, uh, that I think Blake Snow in that first turn through the rotation, he shut everyone down. So yeah. he, it was good contact that he got off the lefty because Blake was rolling in that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, excited uh, about I'm excited about both. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, the the kids they drafted last year, you know, uh, second and third have looked good too pitching, but I don't, I don't know. Like I I am sick of watching what we're seeing, and I I don't know for sure what the answer is because there's not much help. You know, and I don't, if you can make a move, Montgomery's obviously the most valuable piece, you know, in the minors. The problem is he's not even playing. So, you know, I'm sure that's going to scare teams off too. And that, Eric, like, I mean, I know we have our feelings with Mankata, but it just, it's so heartbreaking because he was on a roll to start the season and out of nowhere, back spasms or whatever it is, just turns him down from day to day to like who knows where he's at on a timetable of his well i mean i i think my feelings you know we started in the segment about you know being a white Sox fan what makes it different like i know that the game i watch a game different than some or players matter different to me than some because like when i look at players not necessarily their product or their field it's also their value like yo amakata is a plus player there's no way around it like he's positive war, positive WRC, positive OPS plus. He's all those things all day long. Mm. The only thing that, you know, the reason I was worried about keeping you all Makata on his team for this year and next year is the fact that he has $48 million coming in, knowing where we were financially and being strapped and being capped. You almost mm. needed him to be like, we needed him to be what we saw. I mean, he was 144 uh, WRC plus when he, before he got hurt. You know, we, we needed him to be that at that, at that price range. It wasn't so much that he's, you know, a bad player, not a positive player. It's just when you're making 10%, more than 10%, you're making almost 15% of the total team payroll. Yeah. You can't have you on an IL and can't have you putting up 100 WRC pluses. Yeah. Yeah. And, we was talking about it. We was talking about it on BGR with Aussie Sox. He was like, come on, how Ronnie. Much are you helping me when you're on the fucking timber for, you know, 30% of the year and you're making. Uh, like Eric just said, $48 million. The man hasn't matched the money in Moncada's case at this point. That's that, and, and that's my only take of, you know, the reason why I was ready, 100% ready to move on. Well, you know, not only that, like he was checked out some last year, let's be honest, but so was half the team. So if you're going to blame him, you got to blame, you know, about everybody. I mean, TA looked god-awful at shortstop last year before he even went out. So, I mean, I just, to me, the team is better with Mikado. There's no way around it. And I can't wait to see him get back for a few reasons. I can't wait to see what to do with the roster. I can't wait to see how it goes. I can't believe that his back went from day to day to now he's going to, now he's TA is coming back before him. I never would have guessed that when they both went down. Right. Yeah. yeah that's weird. Like, cause when you think of day to day, I'm thinking, all right, you're out Monday. I'll see your ass Friday or the weekend. Not yeah. 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 But now it's back all of a sudden. Now they're saying he's he's not even swinging. They said today, I think, they said he's not even swinging yet. So, like, he's a couple weeks away still. All right. Now we have another topic for this segment I'd like to introduce as uh, we got Rami striking out, running around first one out. But the chat 
Chad, the question is, is Lance Lynn going to be the next Dallas Keuchel for our pitching staff? Um, and that, I don't like you talking about that, that Lance Lynn. That Lance Lynn, that fucking oh, bastard. Yes, uh, I want that. But where's that Lance Lynn at? Where is yeah, he where's at? that boy at? And Eric, I hate asking that question because we, you know, me and you go are going back and forth last second half of last year because Lance Lynn had the best statistically the best performance on the second half out of our rotation. Yeah, and he was competing with Mister Dylan Cease, that nasty no, you, fellow. You, you said you said it right the first time. Lynn had the better second half last year. You said it right the first yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about Lance Lynn. I mean, I would never be worried about Lance Lynn. It's the same people that were worried about Grandal last year. Like you don't oh, I'm put all worried about Grandal. I don't know why. <laughs> he's got like a 139 WRC plus. He's stinging the ball yeah, like because he's I don't got know a you, disc, and that's a. I'm just. I don't know why you'd be doesn't... worried. Like when guys have 10, 15 years of track record, it's the same people dogging or bray you. And I know it's fun for me because it was the right move financially for the deal. But if you don't think Jose is going to put up a pretty decent year. He's not going to be a positive player. Of course, he's going to be. You don't go from that to the cliff that fast, you know, or whatever. You just don't. So I'm not worried about Lynn. I, not only would I suspect Lynn to be good the second half, I'll go as far as to say the White Sox will probably pick up his his option for next year. Ooh. That's a hot take right there. Yeah, I want to, I want to clip that. We were from the extension? Okay, Eric. Well, not an extension, but it's an option. He's got an option for next year. Yeah, I think the club option. Yeah, I think the oh, okay, cool. Oh, okay, but still. <laughs> yeah, I think they pick it up. We're gonna get to that because, first of all, Lance. Oh man, so Eric, you don't really feel like he needs, you know, to eat a salad or whatever they were saying no. on the school. I don't think nothing. <laughs> I don't think nothing needs to be different. To be honest, like. I don't. I mean, if I was worried about any pitcher that we have on our staff right now, to be honest with you, it would probably be Kopech. And the thing is, is like with his starts lately, Lance, it just seems like he's been sh- when his confidence is rolling, and you know, he's following through. But then when he starts to struggle with his pitches, he's, he's just short arm. He starts short arming it and not following through in his motion, and. You know, whatever 670 wants to say about, you know, being overweight and that affecting him. Like, that's just who Lance Lynn's been his whole career. And he's, you know, he has some nasty stuff. Sometimes that weight helps, that being overweight helps. I mean, as CC Sabathia, the difference, you know, that guy pitching overweight throughout his whole career. And then when yeah. he goes in retirement, he goes in retirement, he loses all that weight. Like, some guys, it just helps them. And I don't see that being the issue to his current performances. I just that well, that's just a joke in itself with what six seventy was saying with eat, eating salads. Or no, that was not six seventy. Well, it was Steve Stone on six seventy. That was Stone Pony on six seventy. Stone Pony, come on, Stony. Need better takes than that. I think um, uh, with Lance Lynn, uh, you hit it right on the head, Gonzo. He's short arming the ball, and usually uh, when you short arm it, you're not going to be able to hit the corner on the glove side because you're not extending through the pitch. I mean, you look at you look at what transpired yesterday, and 
outside of Luis Robert making a, a spectacular catch on Matt Chapman's fly ball, that was still a fastball that he short-armed up in the zone. And it quite it didn't get far enough away from Chapman to where he still put a, a, a good barrel on the ball. So, I, I mean, from what I've seen in Lance, the, the, the stuff still looks good. I mean, everything is just moving. It's just he's not finishing pitches. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. You know, watching that last start, it seemed like he was, you know, I call it aiming, but same thing, right? Almost instead of just letting it flow, like you're trying to yeah. like, he's, he's shorting it and doing a deal. And, and a lot of times, I guess this goes back to the salad joke, but a lot of times some of that stuff happens when you don't feel the best, right? You don't feel like you're not flow blown. But again, like, I just doubt... I just doubt that it's a coincidence that he pitched in a WBC. And we all know starter pitchers go through two, three dead arm periods a year, you know, whatever. His is probably going to come a little earlier because of re- rearing up for the WBC. And he just, you know, it looks a little flat, but I'm not worried about. I know last year our buddy Asinine was trying to bury, uh, was trying to bury Lynn in the first half. And we all had good fun at Hague's expense for the second half. But, uh, you know, did he just, I'm not worried about. I don't worry about guys that have proven track records. Like you just don't. Like if you're worrying about that, you're going to worry about a lot of things. I don't. I just don't worry about it. Guy's been a winner forever. Yeah. Gonzo, so in in your heart of hearts, do you honestly think Lance Lynn is cooked? No, I don't think he's cooked. Um, it's going to be interesting though, because I mean we're, we're talking money and. I'm not sure I would pick up that option, to be honest with you. Uh, with his age where he's at, I'd use that money wiser on a pitcher for next year. I'd have to, again, we're going to get into that in May, though, start looking at free agency, what's out there to be signed in the offseason and trade candidates, too. But um, I don't I want to take that away from the guy himself because as far as I'm concerned, when you're – the last three out of four years, you're in Cy Young voting. You're doing your due dividends, and unfortunately, he's off to a rough month. Well, guess what? He was off to a, wrong, a rough month when he came back from his injury last year, too, in June into, through July, and he bounced back August and then the rest of the year. So as far as I see it at this current moment, I feel like Lance will get back into it here as we get into May. And uh, he'll start cooking, especially when the temperatures start warming up and he's got four, more control on that cutter and everything else that he has in his arsenal. I'm not really too worried about Lance Lynn. Um, and, hey, you're going to have these performances to start the year. It is what it is. He's not at Dallas Keuchel's status yet. Maybe in a year or two. Who knows? I hate you, Justin. I hate you. You mentioned the man's what? name and now he's got two home runs tonight. You had to mention Danny Jansen's name. Yeah. Hey. Now he's got two home runs. Yeah. Can we all just? They they brought in Tanner Banks for his on because since he's on his way back to Charlotte for one more deal and did a great job here. One pitch, one home. Swan song right there. This is it. This is it. Have fun back in Charlotte. Hope you enjoy the bus rides. Let me know how I can get you there. Like have a great time. Like have a great time. Oh my god. A hundred. I don't see the White Sox losing 100 games. Jason Spencer, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, uh, Eric, 
if Banks is leaving. I can't wait for TA coming back because Rami needs to go too. Because oh man, that was so struck. That was that O two strikeout he hit. Oh my god. Yeah, they will oh. move, they'll move Sosa first just because of Rami's versatility. But yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you. The whole they've all been so bad. Like I could send down about five people right now. And I w- wouldn't hate it. But yeah. you can't. You can't. But I, I'm guessing, what's today? Tuesday. So they'll probably bring, announce, when's Geo slated for? Friday? Um, Geo is Friday, yeah. Yeah, so they'll probably announce him back Wednesday or Thursday. It'll be Tanner Banks, I'm guessing, back down. But let's, yeah, let's actually roll back to uh, I timestamp. Lynn getting, picking up that option for $18 million Yeah. next year. I just, like, starting pitching costs so much in mm-hmm. free agency. It's one of the most expensive things there possibly is. And, like, you saw, like, yeah. we paid $12 million to Clevenger coming off not a very good year just for one year and no value. So, like, any starting pitcher out there pretty much is getting almost a king's ransom if you can throw, you know, 150-plus innings. I just – where the White Sox are and what the White Sox are trying to do and the fact that you know you probably won't have Lucas. I'm guessing they probably tag Lucas or the chance they tag Lucas. But you know he's leaving. I don't think you can open two holes in your two holes in your rotation like that and uh, try to fill them when starting pitching is so expensive. All right. So uh, let's so, hold up. Hold up. Okay, go ahead. Well, what were we going to ask? Because I wanted to – Continue on that. No, I was just gonna say uh, to all the listeners out there, I'm in a fantasy league with Eric, and I've been trying to get fucking George Springer off his roster, who just got his third hit of the game today. Eric, name your price. Get a deal done <laughs> now. I don't get hits. I don't get hits. I need hits. I need hits. So we'll backtrack there. So right, Eric, for our listeners, can you go through the mutual option on Clevenger for next year? Yeah, so that's basically that's 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 just dead. Like mutual mm-hmm. options are never really a thing. The only reason they do mutual options are it's a way for them to defer money. So basically, it said Clevenger, I'm signing you for one year, twelve, but I want to pay you eight now, and then when we both agree you opt out at the end of the year, I'll give you your other four. Like he's never signing back. There's never going to be a spot where they go, okay, next year twelve million for you makes sense. It's never, it's never going to happen. He's either going to be so bad he's never making $12 million, or he's going to be so good that he's going out and trying to get more money. So, like, mutual options right. are never, ever accepted. It's just a way to defer money for the front office until the next year. Yeah. So, with that being said, Eric, next year, right now in the books, you got Cease, mm-hmm. Kopech, mm-hmm. Clevenger. I'm going to say you allow Gio to walk, right? So you're gonna have, and, you, and then yeah. you have, and then you have Lance Lynn on the club option, right? So yeah, this is where you can get interesting, right? I mean, me personally, I would move that. I wouldn't go with the club option. I'd use that money for a pitcher, but I would also let's see. And I, I haven't really looked at the free agents uh, yet for pitchers in the off season or the, you know, the trade candidates next year. Cause I think, I think means in Baltimore, I think he's, uh, he hits free agency, not this off season, but the following one. So he's on a one year deal left. Um, so that might be interesting, but he's also coming off an injury too. Um, that would be interesting though, but there's going to be a lot of interesting names there, but 
I feel like if it was me, I'd want to trade for a pitcher and then put some money into a pitcher too, even if it's just for a one-year deal. Because you got to think, though, you know, Eric, in 25, Schultz will be coming up, so that's a guy that you want to put in there into that rotation. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not. Got, yeah, I, mean, I I'm feel like I want to put. I really want to invest in those two holes some way or the other. And yeah, I know, but I want you to understand a little bit here what you're saying, right? I mean, I, I'm yeah. not disagreeing with you, but I'm just saying what you're saying is if you're rolling a season Kopech only, mm-hmm. you've created three holes in your starting pitching that you're going to try to fill in the most expensive market, hardest no, market to compete in. You got Clevenger. You got. But he can't really? get picked up though. That's a mutual option. He's done. He's done for sure. Okay. So the only person you could retain in that sense is Lynn. Right. That's why I'm saying I think that's why he gets. And you got no, almost no help from the miners. Maybe Sean Burke's ready. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Davis Martin's ready. Maybe. Maybe. But like you almost got to have like somebody else that can get you 150, 170 innings. And to me, like even though 18 million sounds like a ton, remember what we just paid Clevenger for unproven deal. We paid him 12. So the reason I think he get put up might not have so much to do with value as it does club situation. I don't want to open, you know, crochet could possibly move the starting lineup too, but I couldn't see that to the second half of next year, if anything. So, I mean, I think I they pick it up at an, at a necessity more than probably anything else. I think with what you brought up there, crochet though, this is where I'm at with him. You need to judge that off of how he comes back this year because it wouldn't be a bad idea if you do put a, a limit cap on him to be that fifth man rotation and you, you're just splitting, you know, reps with him and Davis Martin. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is a very good question because when you go back to last August before he had a setback, Han was saying that he projects him as the starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. And, and this rotation for this year but then he had mm-hmm. to set back and that that threw that you know opportunity out the door so you know it, it, this is something we're definitely gonna have to revisit because well you know, you know they're gonna want to keep him strong right they're gonna want to keep him to what 75 innings this year probably that's normal after tj then maybe he gets to 110 120 next year but it's not quite mm-hmm. full starter role quite it's close right. but not quite but uh didn't Kopech last year, he ended at, was it 119, was it? I think they get into 120 with the postseason. I think he got into 120, didn't he, or 119? No, that was the year before. He went over 70. Yeah, he, he might he, got to 120 last year. Yeah, but he was burning out at 90 innings. Yep. yep. So, yeah, that's why I think I, I think you would try to put that 90-inning um, limit on – crochet and yeah have, have martin there as an opportunity to split some starts they're so the thin if they're thin anywhere they're so thin and starting pitching i can't see letting geo clevenger and lynn walk in the same year yeah that's the reason why i think they pick it up they're so thin yeah especially now with the guys that you're introducing to the rotation those are guys that need to be nursed for six months it's not like you're just going all right kids Give me 150, 170. Right, we'll right. Good go luck. There. Right, yeah. that's not the case. So, man, I can't believe Barry like is shutting us out. From Andrew Vaughn, though, just right that's, Springer. Right, smashed it. Oh, there we go. We got, we got our boy OJ with us, Junior. Oh. Uh, 
How was your umpiring and um, your boy Osu swimming? Swimming was great. Umpiring, uh, I think it was Argo Community High School. Beautiful field. Uh, they slaughtered the other team, Evergreen Park. It was good. They had a really good Venezuelan player. Just got here a couple months ago. Um, it was cool. But uh, did I, I just say got, White Sox? Yeah. Money? Oh, well, they're catching up. They're only down seven. Uh, Danny, down a touchdown. Down a touchdown. Only down a touchdown. So, I don't want to chase. I I probably could try to hedge my bets and bet that they're going to get an over and get out, or with my bad luck, is completely losing twice. Uh, today, I bet very heavily, substantially, on the White Sox at least winning the money line. Um, I also had him at uh, plus two and a half, meaning protecting myself so that they would lose. You know, they would if they lost, it would be by less than two and a half runs. And from what I've seen on MLB.com and the ticker, it's an effing disaster. So I'm upset because I don't like betting White Sox because they piss me off most of the time. And I stopped betting the tribe because of that. And now the White Sox was my first big bet that I did in a while, other than the smaller bets I made for the show. And we're, it's, it's been a bad one. Like, I thought they were going to destroy Barrios. Barrios is overrated. You know, he's horrible for Toronto. He has not been pitching well. Everyone's been hitting him. He is a piñata of the American League East. And the White Sox have not scored a run yet. It is extremely disappointing. And I'm very upset because... I'm going to be honest, Pedro Grafal came in here with a very positive attitude, which is great. Uh, I feel bad for him because my father would have been in the same situation and probably would have been stroking out as a White Sox manager right now. Man, things got to change, man. You, you, got, you got Lynn, who does a great interview on foul territory, basically throws himself under the bus, says a lot of really good comments, though, about the future. I know people don't want to listen about the future but about they're doing things differently and, and you you see of hope of light. And yes, last night I posted the 2008 and people get it wrong. I didn't post 2008 because it was Ozzie Guillen. I posted 2008 because if Pedro Grafal snaps and, and, and just gets on these guys, maybe they wake up. Okay. And in 2008, they won, they won 16 and nine after that crazy debacle that Ozzie had and it worked. They, they kept playing better baseball and it was a weak division back then, and they won in 163 games, but they made it interesting. And if it was at a fluke, if it was luck, who knows? Rick Hahn's kid flipped the coin for home field advantage. Okay, most people, I don't even if they knew that. It's like the kid flipped it, they got home field advantage. Probably one of the greatest things that the Hahn family has done for White Sox is, was that coin flip, which was awesome. But it, it wasn't because it was Ozzy. It, it could be any manager. And I think Pedro Grafol, and there's coaches in that staff, that could do that. That's why I posted that. It wasn't a post because I think Ozzy would have been a savior. Now, no, it's a post because these guys need to do something different. They need to, they need to wake up. They need to change it up. They need to do something. And I don't see a sense of urgency. And when there's no sense of urgency, that means they're going to trade. And I still think that the season is salvable. Fort cannot hit. They're not playing well. Minnesota's playing yeah. the best baseball they're probably going to play all year. So the division is not yes. – it's there for the grabbing. The Tigers yes. are horrible. 
They're just playing really good right now. So the fact that they can't get it together for, for, for a span of 10 days. And then you have the voice of the White Sox go out there and fat shame. Probably the only guy that's being 100% honest in better because they don't like, you know, Steve Stone. And that's the excuse. And Steve provides something powerful for the team. But then you have Kenny go on today. And again, I know Kenny does not like losing. That's just building his DNA. But he says that they're being accountable. And and for the for the people that watch the Sox, it's like, how are you being accountable? Like, what has happened for, for them? Yeah. You know, for, So it's like the message is, yeah, everything's fine. So that's my little rant because I, I was really upset about that. Um, that right now they just came out and said, I would have been fine with Kenny saying we suck. We, we need to do something to see life. I would have been way better with that than them saying, well, we suck, but we aren't working hard. I, I wasn't a big fan of that. You know, Junior, uh, Eric is with us from Ray's Juke Joint. He asked us a question of what would you do right now for change? What's the very first thing you're doing to turn this tide right now? I, I would snap. I would snap. I would send Pantera down to the minor leagues. I would do something drastic like drastic like that. I think Pantera has never been reprimanded, sent down, pulled aside, nothing. Like he's been – he's a rookie. He's been in the big leagues for two years in a COVID season. Like he has never played more than 100 games in the big leagues. If when if when Moncada comes back, and that's my boy, if Berger makes this team better at third base, you tell Moncada, grab your smaller glove, get to second base, and shut up. And that's it. These This is these guys' job. Like this is what they do for a living. You gotta stop worrying about players' feelings. And if you're gonna hit fourth, if you're gonna hit fifth, if you're gonna play second, if Grafal makes a lineup and you're catching that day, Hopefully you don't get hurt. That's what this team needs. Like they babysit everyone. They babysit the situations. Right now the bullpen's getting babysat because, oh, well, Crochet's hurt. And, oh, a guy's fighting cancer. Yes, he's fighting for his life. Thank God the guy is cancer-free. You should be like, dude, we need to be better for Liam. Like they're expecting Liam to come back from freaking surviving cancer and saving all of them. Like grow up. Like grow up. They need to step up. And the, and the staff that's in place, I think, that can do that. And that's what I want from accountability. Like, they need to wake each other up. They need to fight somebody. Another team, themselves, call each other out. This big kumbaya. That's what I was going to say. Like, just being somebody and just having to get the benches out, right? Just drill, call it on purpose. Somebody. Just like, right. Drill somebody. Like, when you're struggling and drill, – Drill uh, Byron Buxton or Jose Ramirez right in the middle of the back somebody. one time and get everybody out of the dugout. Like, drill somebody on the – drill Vladdy. Don't hurt him. Drill him. Wake up. Like, do something. Like, there's something going on. Okay, that this team needs to wrap around where they need to wake up. And that rallying cry can be a team fight. I know people think, oh, well, that's old school. Again, they need to something to wake up because if they think they're going to wake up and say, well, we, if we get more walks, we're going to score more runs. Wow. Thank you, Captain Obvious. They need to find a way to win games. I need to see change. Okay, if that's Burger playing third base when Moncada gets back, if that's Berger playing first base and freaking benching Vaughn because he's not playing well. Like, I would literally run this right now like a college team. No one has a job guaranteed. This is what I'm going to do and let Pedro do Pedro. And that's it. Because they can't get any worse. Well, uh, OJ, for that's me. That's the reality of it. Yeah. For me, it has gotten worse. I still haven't uh, won any pick the clicks against you guys. Uh, but before we get to that, 
we're going to tee up White Sox daily because I love looking towards the future because watching this product in the present tense is fucking depressing. So without further ado, here's Southside Daily, people. This is Southside Daily, our weekly preview. And, boys, I'm sure tonight they're losing this game, so they're losing the series. But we have the series finale tomorrow in Toronto. And it is Kopech on the mound. And I didn't look to see who he's up against because I thought I totally forgot Barrios went pitching tonight. But uh, Junior Kopech, he's been struggling. However, I know Eric will show us the savant of him with his four-seamer, but uh, what do you think uh, is going to go on tomorrow with these weekly bets? They're getting swept. Yeah. They're getting swept. They're getting swept. Toronto, they, leave, they, 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 cannot get out fast. they cannot get out of Canada fast enough. Get out of Canada. Get out. Get out. Get out. Come back home. Regroup. See your wife and kids. Hug them. Get out of Canada. I'm not expecting Michael to win the game. They'll probably lose a close one. Hopefully, pitch is decent and the offense blows up. But as bad as it's been, like today was, th- today hurts, man. Barrio sucks. Okay. That's plain and simple. I, I, I've had him as one of the guys that I've always had him coming back and being a great pitcher. He's just been absolutely horrible for them. So the fact that they couldn't hit him, I'm really concerned. Like, again, can Kopech, they're going to score like a couple runs off of him. So it's like, can the offense hit the, the, the next guy? So I think they get swept and then. You know, you just regroup and try to, you know, find it at home. So they actually, Toronto moved up Brios to tonight, and tomorrow they're throwing out the lefty, Kikuchi, who was from Seattle previously. But, yeah, uh, King Kuba. King Kuba, the lefty. So, I, you know, I think the Sox previously have gone back and forth with uh, the lefty there, but... We'll see if they can turn around on him. But, yeah, I'm with you, Junior. I think they're going to get swept. And then um, it, it brings us back home. They start a homestand. And it's going to be Thursday through Sunday versus At least Tampa we get a – I was going to say we get a break with Tampa. Right? Hey, I'm going to ask you guys a, I'm going to ask you guys a question, okay? Yeah. The, the best yeah. player is about to come back on the roster. His name is Tim Anderson. That the Atlanta Braves are in die-hard need of a shortstop. They just won eight games in a row, but for them to go deep in the work in the in the playoffs, they need a shortstop that can catch the ball. That's TA. Okay, he fits perfectly into their lineup. That, that oh, team would boy. just be scary. Okay, he like could this. fit into the Dodgers. There's another team that could take TA right now, and just game change their whole lineup. I think. Do you guys think that if the Sox keep struggling? Do you think that you try to move a TA or move somebody to try to make this current team better? Because I'm starting to believe that they can try to compete with the division, making the team better without one of their superstars. I don't want to see Tim Anderson in any other jersey other than the Chicago White Sox, Junior. Well, that's going to happen sooner or later, buddy. The White Sox are in a list of three teams. One of them is Oakland, who's moving to Las Vegas, and the other one is crappy Kansas City that has nothing amazing about other than Arrowhead Field 
and the fact that Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. Nothing else in that city is great. Um, yeah, part owner yeah. too, right? Part owner. And then the, owner. And then the yeah. Chicago White Sox are the only three teams that have never spent $100 million on a player. Do you think they're going to make T.A. the first guy that they spent $100 million on? I personally no. don't. But we actually, Junior, we, had, we were starting this conversation earlier, so um, I guess we have to come to agreement. When would you consider waving that white flag? And uh, well, there's the thing it's not a white flag, it's can you make the team better by this upcoming week? Okay, so this coming week, when yeah. again, saying on the White Sox daily, is it is it Tampa that comes again? Yeah, is it no name Tampa? Yep. Yeah, correct. So you see how you play against Tampa, and then again, whatever comes out of Tampa, if you think you can make your team better, depending on he's got to come back for a little bit and play, depending on how the team bounces back. Again, I think that it, the goal right now for them is to play 500 and keep it within five games in order for them to be able to still be in the division. That's like worst, best case scenario. And we were talking about second base, Ozzy. So if you're saying you're going to move on from Tim Anderson, right, you're going to say this team's going to be better. So you're just going to move Elvis back to short, and then what are you going to do at second base? Like Move Elvis, play Lenny Sosa. Again, guys, they're losing games with all these guys there. Or play Moncada at second, make him upset that the fact that he starts playing well and gets trades himself, and play Berger at third and see what you have there. That, that's what I think. And again, it's not TA. If they can move Eloy, I think that this team can compete for a division without one of their main players that can actually return them back some value except the pitching staff. If they get rid of one of the pitchers, it's just over. Yeah, they don't have much pitching depth. The problem, though, is you don't see too many trades. It's very rare that you would trade a contender, trade with a you know somebody trying to get better, and you get back Major League-ready talent because they're trying to contend, right? They're not making a move for, me for a year and a half. Right? They're, so but, the fact that we could get back, like we won't be able to get anything back, we could plug in right away. But, yeah, well, can we get a starter pitcher of the future a year or two away or something or something like that? You know, it makes sense, you know, or whatever well, the case. Um, here's the part that's tricky about that. If you're a good general manager, you do find something in their roster that can you can use this year. That is the question where we would put the front office again on the gauntlet that are you going to make a great trade and trade for something that's going to be of value now or in the future? Or are you going to be the Marlins when they traded for Miguel Cabrera to Detroit and they had they got five guys? in which one of them made it to the big leagues. Like somebody, this is my right. biggest fear. This is right. my biggest fear. T.A. goes to, they, they play this week, T.A. gets back. In the middle of May, T.A.'s playing great. They trade him to the Braves, and the Braves send back Brent Littlebridge 2.0 and Tyler Flowers 2.0. Yeah. What's wrong with Brent Littlebridge? Uh, Brent Littlebridge, when he was traded to the Chicago White Sox, was traded as the future shortstop uh, for the team. I don't think I don't think that panned it out like that way, right? He was a great player. He did great. He did fine, but he was not the starting shortstop of the future. Yeah. To your credit, though, I mean the Astros did it. They traded away. <laughs> they traded away Correa. By the way, are you are you are you comparing the White Sox to the Astros? The only well, thing the White Sox and the Astros have in common is that the fact that they play in Major League Baseball and they went to a World Series together in two thousand one. No, but in the scenario you just said, you're trading away one of your stars. Yeah, away Correa, but they had Pena ready to go at short. We don't have that at this current moment, but I get what you're saying. You can move, if you want to, move Mancada to second, and then you have Elvis at short. But 
There is available you know. for Tim. So that That's is. A, I mean, from a front office what standpoint, like, what is that? Yeah, I think he just ran over a squirrel or a bag of chips. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know we've been over this. We've, we've beaten this horse a million times. But from a front office standpoint, like, you're almost hoping the third baseman, third baseman for the Mets just blows up and sucks too, right? Yeah, something's dead. Is that me? Not me, right? Nah. No. It's okay. Yeah. We'll get back. With, Junior will join us when, whenever he's done running over that raccoon or whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. He'll be back with us, though. Um, Thursday. Me and Jay are going to be at the game. And we were just alluding to this earlier in the in the show. Cease versus McClanahan. Now, you're hoping that Cease goes longer than four innings than he did on the road at home. That would be ideal. You also have to hope that these hitters can lay off the changeup out of the zone low and can hunt the fastball in McClanahan. Now... This is going to be a fantastic pitching matchup. It was a good one in the, in the on the matchup on the road between the two of them. But, uh, yeah, you need your A's to go deeper, and you need this offense to provide them some support. However, you're going to get it. And right now, the offense is shit-ass cold right now on the road, getting swept in Tampa Bay and probably going to get swept in Toronto. So how are you going to do it? What's your approach going to be versus McClanahan? I mean, Eric, we saw, you know, last spring, these boys went up against Justin Verlander with a nice approach, burnt him, and won that matchup. So what can we do versus McClanahan? I mean, nothing. You just hope he has a bad day. Hope his wife's mad at him. Hope that he's feeling sick. Hope that his dog died. Hope something went wrong, like, or whatever. Like, against this Chase team and Shane McClanahan, like, I like our chances winning tomorrow with Kopech better than I do with Shanahan, with Shanahan on the hill. Like, there's not much you're going to be able to do. You ain't going to be able to fix this in three days. Yeah. It's sick. So, like, I, I was afraid. I'd almost – that would be my day off. I would play all the kids. I'd play all the kids that got no fear. Put Colos out there. Put Romy out there. Put Sosa out there. Rest some of your guys and be like, you know what, kids? You got no fear. Go get them. Hope good things happen. Like, just go get them. Just go get them. Can you imagine Oscar Colas batting cleanup against Shane McClanahan, but he didn't get into the lineup against Jose Barrios? <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, that's something that when you look at the lineup construction, that he would have been somebody that I would have loved to have seen against Barrios just because he is one of the weaker arms, you know, and that's the guys that you want to see him, the Colas to go kind of just go attack on. But I, I agree with, with, uh, with that approach on that day. Of go out there, man. Let the let, let them be fearless. I know that you're trying to win because at this point with this record, if it gets worse, it gets worse, but it could get better. And maybe that's what they need. Maybe they need, you know, one of those guys to just feel free and kind of just do their thing and again just go with the, the guys that you're gonna go with. And again, we might be seeing Oscar Colas hitting fourth way sooner than we're thinking that we were planning on. Dude. This is All tough. Right. Um let's fold in the rest of the series here. Everything's going to be projected pitchers for Tampa Bay because they haven't posted anything yet. But Cease McClanahan likely Friday is going to be Geo versus Eflin again. And I don't know what the hell, you know, our boys are swinging at with Eflin on the mound in Tampa because that was just rough to watch. But then Saturday, you're likely going to have Lance Lynn versus their rookie in Walker. 
And then Sunday, it's going to be Clev versus uh, Rasmussen. Um, I'm actually hopeful in this series. I think I have a feeling they're going to split it with Tampa, surprisingly. What? I do. Yeah. Dude, Tampa can't keep winning. Yeah, plus they with – take some L's. With on the road, the Sox were in those games. Yeah, no, I no think... name Tampa, no name Tampa needs to, no name Tampa needs to, they need to lose some games. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they're gonna win more. some of these games. I could have won either way. I feel like the Sox are gonna steal some, and I think they're gonna split the series at home. Now, I would love it if they won the series. You know, go three and one, try to get back into it. But are they gonna win a series? Are I I. So you're saying that this is a series that they win, the first one? No. I, I, I thought I thought in Tampa, I, I didn't have him win the series, but I thought Pedro Grifo, his whole family being there from Miami, they probably mm-hmm. all drove up on that turnpike, Alligator Alley. They all came there, probably left like 45 tickets. I thought that they were good. that was a series and he was in it, you know. I, I feel bad they had to watch that in probably like in you know real life, like in in person. Um, that debacle, but I, I, at this point though, man, like I'm, I'm going to be honest, like you're looking at the math, Tampa can't stay that hot. The Sox can't keep just completely melting out the way that they are. Right. Right. So, it's baseball, right? It's baseball. It's baseball. So they got a yeah, split. Yeah, so yeah. I would take the split. Potentially it could be their first series that they win um, because they were, they were in the games against no name Tampa. They're, they're, they've been in the games more than they have against Toronto. Yeah, like yeah. We, we, I, t- I talked about it earlier in the show with uh, with the boys. Like we're not getting our ass whooped outside of today. We're just finding ways to lose the game. Like I don't, I don't. Uh, to be honest with you, I agree with you, Gonzo. I don't see Tampa coming into the rate and whooping our ass. But then again, just, I don't know. No, Ronaldo. Ronaldo, the Ronaldo next can't time close the against them. Going to win a game. Ronaldo can't close against them. That's the number one thing they got to do. They got to go with Graveman. They can't let them see Ronaldo. If Ronaldo closes a game against Tampa, he's gonna blow it. They got his number. I- I'm not. A- he can he can close against anybody else, not Tampa. Yeah, I, uh... Robinson or anybody. Graveman, freaking San- whoever, who just not like bring Lopez in the fifth or any time else. I just think that I don't. I- now that I- the more that I look at it, it's just a really bad matchup. I feel like they felt comfortable against them or something. So, again, mm-hmm. some teams have that. It's I think he's the only guy that could have been on the mound in that game that was going to blow it for the Sox because they just felt really comfortable with him. And I think in this series, if they have that lead, they can't repeat the same strategy. They probably go to Graveman. Just give him a different look. You know, we talked about we talked about fighting, blowing up, tipping over tables, doing something either. You know, all could possibly help would be if one of these pitchers would just go ahead and shove. Like, Give me eight innings of shutout ball out of Cease or mm-hmm. seven innings of shutout ball out of Kopech. Give me something. Win a one nothing game against Clanahan. Do something. Like, you know, that's another way that could spark plug this team is win one you're not supposed to win. Go steal one somewhere. And that's what – and that's upsetting because the game against Toronto, you have probably one of the best plays, probably going to be one of the better plays of the year for the Sox in the home run that Pantera steals. <laughs> and that's the momentum you got to capture. And I feel like – for some reason, these guys capture it and then like they let it go and they have yeah. to figure out a way on like how to do it consistently. Oh, like you nice can't have a cr- you can't have the series against Tampa. Like they pan to the camera and they all would be jumping up and down. And then like two innings later, they look like somebody just beat their dog in front of them. And they can't have that. So in these series, like when they have the lead, 
I don't know if it's like the Elvis Andrews of the world that like, they need to like figure out like keep the guys calm because again there are a lot of younger guys which they shouldn't be fear, feeling fear, and I don't think Rafal's managing like making them feel like if they make an error they're gonna you know they're gonna be reprimanded, so I think that they they need to figure out like okay we're gonna get wins and not pressure I'm gonna be honest with you, the whole philosophy against Tampa I think Tampa looked way better because they were literally swinging at everything they looked like Ozzy Guillen. Every single batter was Ozzy Guillen up there in the 1990s. Just like, I'm going to string at first pitch, everyone. And I don't think there was a strategy. And if there was, they weren't implementing it. And I feel like if they come to Chicago with a different game plan, and Lance Lynn just said that they have all this new way of preparing for the game and blah, 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 blah. Well, they're probably going to get that homework. Give it a better look. Give it a different approach. You know, get, get put those, don't, don't, don't chase. And maybe they, if they stop pressuring, They'll be able to, uh, and again, I completely agree. Somebody has to shove. Cease has not been perfect, but someone needs to step up. Cease, Giolito. And that it frustrates me because you got Steve Stone and Benetti, for example. Lance Lynn is pitching a great game. I'm like, Lance Lynn's at 87 pitches in the fourth inning. How is that a great game? Right. That's not a great game. A great game is the, what the game Giolito pitched that had a no-hitter. So like the yeah. seven, that's a great game. That's like a game that you're like. Well, the momentum, the momentum stuff you're talking about too. Like, man, I thought that I think it was the first game. We got Tampa, Danny Jansen out in Tampa, whichever one where Kopech gave up like the four runs in the first inning. They're down and four they came runs. back, and you were like, back. we're beat, and all of a sudden it's tied and we're ahead. I'm like, and Kopech went ahead and gave five innings. I think he got through five after giving up four runs in the first. You're like, you're up by three runs, and then. You blow it, and it's just like, oh, man. Hey, does Griff Falk get kicked out before this series ends? Like, before this weekend? Yes. Tomorrow. He needs to get kicked out, by the way. So, like, yeah. they just I – know, I know you're driving. It looks like you're in your car and you can't see, but he was just – the umpire was just waving him off from the dugout. He was yeah, shooting from the but, dugout. But, again, so like, people it looks don't like get a, this. But tomorrow. people don't get this. When you're a manager, an ejection for you, sometimes it's because you don't agree with somebody. Sometimes it's like, I got to, like – I've heard it. I got to do something. Like, I need to wake them up. Yeah. I need to I need to spark something. I need to go protect a player. Okay? Yeah, it's like getting a technical in basketball, right? Correct. Spark Correct. Team. So I'm surprised he hasn't snapped. And again, I know that he's a great communicator and he might not want to do it to the media, but he's got to snap at someone. I'm surprised he didn't do it in Tampa. There was a couple, there was a couple calls there. The one, the I forget the home run. I think it was uh, the, uh, the Giolito game. He had the guy struck out. And then, like, two batters later, there was a walk, and then the next guy hit a home run. That was Cease. Cease. It was Cease. I think it's Cease, and I think Vladdy got him or something. After yeah, it was like a borderline pitch. And I'm yeah. like, perfect. I'm like, Grafal should have lost. Like, he should have just went off because that umpire caused that inning to, for for the Sox. So, I'm hoping that he snaps. Um, Again, it's, it's – I'm going to be honest. Would you guys rather struggle now – and then have a really good summer and battle in September and be in it and kind of go for it or be leading all the way in, have a great April, go into having a great summer and then having a complete meltdown in September. Yeah, I, w- I would rather struggle now because in 2011, I've seen that happen with the Red Sox. Uh, it's happened more. It's happened with the White Sox. It happens. It happened with a lot of White Sox teams. The White Sox in 2012 can't hold the lead, completely meltdown. In yeah. 2000, in uh in the year of the COVID season. They about, they about missed the playoffs. They about went from best record to missing the expanded playoffs in the COVID year. It was fast. No, that's what I mean. So I think, yeah. and, and, and when people, again, I don't want to compare the team to the 2005 White Sox, but 
when you look at the 05 white, like you're gonna lose games. Like you're not gonna win 140 games. And the only team that ever did it, they lost in the first round of the playoffs, the, the Seattle Mariners. So you're only gonna win a certain amount of games. So the White Sox not winning in September kind of saved games to be won, which was 11 of them in the World Series. So they held, but they played well enough to get in. So I necessarily like if 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 the month of April ends up being your worst month and you can replicate 2008, 2008, if you can replicate 2011, because people always remember that Ozzy left in 2011, but the White Sox were completely out of it in May and then they got hot and then they lost it in September with like a month left, like a little less than a month left, but they were in it. They came back from a horrible start to the season. So it's been done before where they can get really hot in May, really hot in June, and and really come back and get back into like a, a, a postseason hunt. That's where I think that I I rather lose now if I was them than completely lose it in in, in September. Yeah, we uh we came up with a good T-shirt idea earlier in the show that one sixty two eight for everybody, and I think you guys are going to brand that, and I'm going to buy the first one when you guys put it out because people people panic a little too easy. People panic a little yeah. too. Easy. Well, it's also the worst month. Again, I know that they're saying, "Oh, it's about playing easy teams or hard teams," and it's and it's and it's fine. But you're gonna have like if if you can have, as long as you go into the month and you kind of hold that on together, and you can have a solid May and you can have a solid June, and obviously you got to grow on that. Then you, your your season's not over. So this whole like, the season's over, maybe for the fans, I guess, but for the players, it's not, man. For the players, you're like, if your season's over and you're a player, you're done. You might as yeah. well just go get hurt. Because that's a long, that's a lot of days going into the ballpark. Just like if you're having a great year, okay, you can ride on just April. Uh, remember Jermaine Mercedes, the Germinator? Yeah. The MVP? He had the greatest month ever of the history of any team. And then he couldn't hit a ball out of the infield the next month. Do you think he'd yeah. rather be, do you think he'd rather be himself or BTA? So, like, we're going to see guys come back. And I really, I really don't think that this roster is a 100 losing team. I don't think that they're a hundred losing game roster. They're still on pace. I had them at 81, 82 wins, 83. And I still thought they could compete for the division with that crappy of a record because the division is just horrible. It's actually worse than I thought it was. Um, so I think that they're still in, like, I still think that there's a chance for them to make a run in the season. I really do. Yeah. I think we, yeah. we pretty much all concurred earlier in the deal. Yeah. This, uh, this series here with coming up, Randy, Right now he's 353, five home runs, 24 ribbies. Got to play situational baseball with that guy when he's at the plate. Um, is there anything that's sticking out with that series in particular that you guys want to quickly talk about at all? I don't think any of the uh, matchups well, are – besides Dylan Thursday, Dylan. is that crazy? Uh, well, I, I wanted to just go back to Dylan Feast for a second. His last couple starts, his fucking command was gone. Like he was, he was laboring through starts. Now the stuff was still good, like – it was still the ball was still bouncing out of his hand, but it seemed like there was no purpose to the pitch. Like you wasn't setting batters up, you was just trying to get the ball over the plate. I, if we're gonna get back into this race, he needs to get back locked in. That same Dylan Cease that I seen in Houston is the same Dylan Cease I need to see against Tampa Bay. Not once, but now it's gonna be twice. This is a good test to match up for McClanahan round two, uh, Thursday with me and Gonzo in house. For Dylan Cease to get back on track because I, I'm a little concerned right now as a stand. I'm not really that concerned as a stand because you look back at last year, 
Cease didn't figure out his stuff specifically that grip on that curveball, or not not the curveball, sorry, the slider. He didn't find that until that Cubs game late in May. And he's already beginning off a better year this year than last year. So I really do feel like not only for Lance Lynn, but when these temperatures start warming up, these guys are going to start to figure it out and start rolling. And uh, But to go on what you said, though, Jay, yes, he needs to get back folk, putting that focus on his pitches that he did. And that's because we saw two things in that and that start that I always like to bring up in, in Houston, and that was, one, you don't walk anybody. Two, yeah. that pitch efficiency with his pitch counts, he, he ended at, I think it was 86 pitches there, going into that seventh. So if you get that guy, that's like that's elite status with the stuff that he has, if he can limit that. Yeah. But that's where, yeah. he, that's, where he, that's where he needs to get – that's where he needs to, to be consistent at. He just ain't that guy, though. That's like, that's like when Luis Robert was hitting 400 and hitting five home runs and people wanted to say he's the best player of all time. So he'll have games yeah. like that, but he's yeah. never going to be your seven innings, 86 pitch guy. No, he could do it from time to time. It's just not going to be. I don't think you'd ever say it never because this is a guy that he's already he, – he showed it once, but again, you need he, consistency. He's had career That's career something that walks. you learn. Yeah, but you learn that over time as a veteran pitcher. Control? You don't control no. over time because he's had, he's fit, had terrible efficiency. He's had terrible walk rates since day one. Right, but if you're working with your, if you're ahead in the count and you're working with your pitch, if you're working the pitch accounts in your favor, you learn. Usually, you learn that over time. Yeah. And he hasn't. Again, this is his third year in the rotation now, so hopefully that's something we start to see. Because I was but, out of my – Eric, I was out of my seat when I saw that performance in Houston because that's something I I always wanted to see. And when he did that in the first start versus that lineup, I, I was – I would love I would love you to go back and look at the ump scorecard. And I would love you to go back and look at – you know, he got – you know, he pitched great. He pitched fantastic. Don't take nothing away from him. But that umpire had a very wide plate for both of them that day, first game, first deal. Got some – crucial calls, crucial deals. Like he's going to have some games like that, but when you're a strikeout pitcher and you're a breaking ball pitcher, cause that's what he is. The chances of you, he's never going to pitch a contact. He's pitching to avoid contact. Exactly. And when you pitch to avoid a contact, your pitch count is always going to be high. And you're never going to be efficient. It is going to be like when Lance Lynn is going, Lance Lynn is full attack, full strike zone. Don't walk nobody going right after a deal. He's your guy that can go seven innings so, from time to time. But I would Cease, say, Cease is a breaking ball pitcher, and he's trying to avoid the bats and not hit them. I would say the ump card is irre- irrelevant because as an umpire, you're going to be given the calls if the guy's just rolling. You're going to yeah, be given no, those I, He earned the calls. I'm not saying he didn't earn them. So, I'm just saying, like, and he can have a start like that from time to time, of course. I mean, anybody can do anything from – we just heard it. Mercedes but was like pitching the AL contact. Like I've seen Cease and starts earlier this year so far where he's going right at guys with fastballs. Like I didn't really see that. And I know like me and you go forth on the, you know, in the past with his spin rate and the fastball, but this year he's just going at guys with it. And his I mean, fastball is his worst pitch. And, he, and the best way he's been able to use it is to stop using it. Like what changed him as a pitcher is less usage on the fastball. But, like, yeah. when you're asked – we talked about a hitter, and we talked about how Robert ain't changing his stripes, Colas isn't changing his stripes, T ain't changing his stripes. You're not going to get – once you profile a player, Cease has a profile. He is going to be high pitch count, high strikeout, high walk guy his entire career. It's never going to change. Like, that's just who he is. Yeah. 
Robert's going to chase his whole entire career. T.A. is going to chase his whole entire career. Like, that's just what it is. When they got that in them, you can't change that. You're just going to change a ton. Yeah. That's so, that the junior. That's that the junior. Yo, so, you know what? I, I, I think I, I came in at a perfect time for that comment because I heard them talking about guys that chase. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Louis Robert, why he has so much talent? It's because he's been chasing his whole life. Yeah. What do you think Tim Anderson has been great at what he does? It's because you can't take away a hitter's natural instinct. You're going to yeah. make him worse. You know who chases? Go look at Jose Ramirez's numbers. Jose yeah. Ramirez drives in 150 runs, but when they're struggling, he'll pop up to first base with runner on second base. Mm-hmm. He'll chase some stuff out of the times that you're like, look at, go look at highlights of guys with worse strikeouts. Sometimes he swings and the ball hits him. Like after the fact that the swung, that swing happened, that happens. So for them to think that they're going to mold these guys, and again, that's where rust, roster construction happens. This week for this series, again, before the daily happens, I really want to see one change. If they get on base, steal a base. Alejandro Kirk was behind the plate these last couple of days. <laughs> he is the worst catcher in Major League Baseball. We stole bases off Maldonado. Like, why did they stop running? Who told them to stop running? Is it the front office? The players don't want to run? I'm like, they need to be good at what they're good. They can't build a team and say, we're going to build like the 2005 White Sox, or we're going to build like um, Andrew Vaughn has to be a brave. No, Andrew Vaughn has to be the best Andrew Vaughn possible. Moncada needs to be the best Moncada possible. So that's what they need to do. They, they got to stop pretending like, oh, well, like when T.A. comes back, he's got to be T.A. Like he's going to be aggressive at the plate. He's going to put the ball in play. If you make a mistake early in the count, he's going to make you pay. They need to go do that. They, I, I love the analytics, but when you try to start molding guys into everybody being the same, good luck. That yeah, very rarely right? works. You can't. No. You know, that, players can be successful chasing. T.A., Robert at times, Devers, another one, Jose Ramirez. Like some of those guys have some of the worst chase rates around, but they're still successful. It doesn't mean it's not a one-size-fit-all deal. And to his point, you can't tell somebody like T.A. or Robert – Okay, you're not going to chase anymore. They grew up chasing. That they're going to chase. They were successful chasing. Yeah. Well, not, their bat to ball skills are good enough. They can chase. Their bat to ball skills are good enough. They can chase. Look at look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, senior. Actually, he basically yeah. a hitter that didn't have a fucking strike zone. And yeah. he's what? Is he a Hall of Famer yet, or are we still waiting? No, it's. I think we need. I, I think since everybody was so excited about the season and Pedro, and again, I've joked about it. I think I have so much fun with the quotes. We're gonna kick your ass every single day because it's like if like Dusty Baker, like the Houston Astro, came into the White Sox and they say that you're like, hey, this guy was kicking people's asses last year. He gets it. You were Kansas City, dude. You're getting your ass kicked most of the time, so you've never kicked anyone's <laughs> ass like as a manager. So, but I was like, hey, he's being positive. Like, this is awesome. Like, you know, he's being – so I have fun with it. Like, we're going to kick your ass, but not twice in a row. Like, those days are going to be gone. Like, he is going to win a series. He is going to win two games in a row. This team's not going to lose 100 games. So I think that this Tampa series could be one that they might – they could split. If they take it away, they can take it away. Um, but you got to be positive and, and really hope that these guys snap. Just like Berger's not going to hit 350. Um, and get a hit every single time he swings. So you just got to take the, the the bad with the you know slowly. I really I really don't like again the stuff that's happening outside of the team. You know Steve Stone making comments like Steve Stone made a comment 
that people would have thought Ozzy Guillen would have made, which is really funny. Like people are thinking that Ozzy was going to snap at Pedro and he's having fun with like the flush the toilet. Like, Hey, because he gets it. He's been a manager. He's like, these guys are not going to, we were, we were talking today at lunchtime and Ozzy was like, dude, they're not going to suck this much forever. Like last year's team won 81 games and it was supposed to be the worst year ever. Like they're going to be better than that in his eyes. He still believes that because he still believes that Pedro can do it. He still believes that he can snap on these guys because he's like, it's, I didn't have any magical, you know, I just literally was going to push guys. So he's like, Pedro could totally do that. Like, so for people going out and saying, you know, like Lance Lee wants to get on a diet and so-and-so that sort of thing, you know, the front office coming out and making talks and having conversations again in front of the media. Like those are the things that you want to see kind of like die out a little bit coming into the next series. Yeah. As we get to the series here, we're going to wrap up the week. The boys on the second series of the homestand on Tuesday start off against the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Projected matchup for this is going to be Kopeck versus Maeda. And Maeda. Drill somebody. Drill someone, Junior. Not only if drill I was someone, Michael Kopeck, if I was Michael Kopeck, dude, if I was Michael Kopeck, okay, and I'm getting lit up. Someone's getting not. I'm someone's getting one in the back. Yeah, I'm gonna zombrano this. I I don't know. Baseball's a game of emotions. Some guys can control it better, but I really think when guys are feeling comfortable, I feel like Michael Kopech. One of the things that he had early on was that you thought that Michael Kopech might literally take your head off, right? Because he was so uncontrollable. So you're hitting against him like ah, it's like a Kershak for the for the for the tribe last year this year i think he's throwing way too many strikes and he's way too controlled guys are comfortable like oh he doesn't he's not wild anymore you could be effectively wild so hey if i run in i run in it is what it is i really think that he needs that game against that game against minnesota is a micah kopek opening day like he needs to have a good outing against him he needs to prove that he's a big boy if he has a horrible outing with that one we might have to consider him in the pen you know, the Davis kid back up because he needs a big game against his division rivals. Yeah. yeah. First place team, you're scuffling. Not, not, not first place team, just a, your division rival, the White Sox daddies. Before the tribe became your stepdad, Come on, the man. twins Don't are your daddy. This, bro. I'm being serious, dude. I'm, I include myself. You know how many games that I had to sit through in my lifetime and lose against the twins? Like, legitly. Joanne Santana, they were piranhas that became super whales. Then they were horrible, and then they would beat you, and then they celebrated in your own field. Like, the Twins are, like, your rivals. Like, the Twins are – like, enjoy the fact that the Tigers are horrible right now. The Twins are your rivals. Like, they're a team that you can't – you got to whoop them. You got to whoop them. Junior, Maeda is a guy that you should hit off of, and for whatever reason, he's had, he's had your number. You got to hit off Maeda is in the Burrios list. If you can't yeah. beat Maeda, we got a problem. Yep. And uh, Joey Gallo right now band two forty three six home runs twelve. Ridges. Joey Gallo can't go deep. Joey Gallo's got to start getting outs again. Yep, yep. exactly. So me, 100%. I I have them winning this game on Tuesday to begin the series versus them, and I have them splitting the week three and three with the with these six games going into this week. Um, that's how I. They see need it. to win that game. Yeah. They need to win the game against the Twins. They can't go against the Twins, and and if, if you mess around with against Tampa. They're in a like they're in a different division. Like it's there's no like maybe you didn't get hyped up to play. It's Tropicana Field. It's Tampa. They got ugly uniforms. There's nobody on that roster with a name except Randy Rosarino. Like I really, it's a no name team. 
They're good. Yep. Again, I cannot. It's like if the Yankees play the Red Sox, you got to get pumped up to play the Twins. I don't care if they're 100 games above 500, 100 games under 500. You play the Twins, yep. you know what that means. And they cannot yep. go in like, you can't go in like, oh, well, it's another series. It's not another series. They don't like us. We don't like them. They suck. Everything in Minnesota sucks. You got to beat them. Yeah. Okay. And with that, we're going to go to our weekly picks to click. I'm tired of this fuck. Who won this week, by the way? Don't worry about it. Did I win? I hope you didn't win. Junior absolutely did not win this week. Sadly. By the way, so by who did I have in number two? By the way, we need yeah. more clarity on like Gonzo, how Gonzo's grading these things. No, like, <laughs> I, like, I, like I was going to say, who's grading like these things? Because I remember. I mean, I'm like, Gonzo had like this weird. Well, because he was like, oh, so, like last week when Cease won, I looked at my guy's number and I was like, wait a minute. Like my guy had a really, really good week. And Cease won a game because they carried him over the, the line. Wasn't like he yeah. carried anybody over the last. Second I would volunteer to be your guys' official scorekeeper if you guys needed one. If I think I picks. Yeah. I would set up. Well, he's talking back to the. He's talking back to Cease's two starts, and he had two wins for that week. Yeah, but one of them. But one of them was like, uh, I'm gonna. It Doesn't was like, matter. I got you there. Dubs. I, I get. I didn't. I didn't cry about the. I didn't cry about losing, but I was like, my guy had a really good week too, though. No, but you said Cease won that week. Yeah, he won. He won. He was a winner. Yeah, you said it before I even announced it. Oh, you're saying he won this week too? No, I'm saying Eloy won this week, which was also Gonzo's pick. Oh, uh, you picked oh. you picked Eloy. <laughs> did, Eloy yeah. did Eloy win this week? We we basically yeah. had Eloy like in the out of all we the had shitty, Eloy in the worst. Out of all the shitty uh, hitters we had for this week, Eloy. So this it came down to Eloy and Vaughn. Eloy had one more home run. Vaughn had one more ribby. Because I had so, Vaughn. No, I had Vaughn. No, no, I had uh, been attendee. Hey, you had been attendee. Yeah. So I, I, he, right, didn't right. Do, he didn't do Slav, very Slav had Yaz. He picked first. Uh, that Junior, was horrible. You, you picked Benny. Justin picked uh, Vaughn, and I picked Eloy with the fourth pick. So, so did so. So Ben attendee came in third, basically, because he didn't have a very good week. Like he had an okay. Yeah, so week, how it's going to go this week? So yes, like I said, Eloy had four hits, two home runs, two runs, three ribbies. Um, the order is going to go me. Um, Jay, Slav, then Junior. Oh, it's my first time picking last. Yeah, yeah. It is your first time picking last. Um, this week, I want to start off with uh, a guy that is now, before he was out of selection, and now he's back into selection. You're and fucking again, sick. You're and dirty. again, And again, Eloy. Eloy is now off the table. Eric, whoever the winner is of this week, is off the table for the next week. So Eloy is off the table. I know where you're going. Um, I'm going to give you guys some good selection because I'm going to go with the one and only guy that he's cold right now, but he's coming home. And we know Dad Power is going to light up oh, the rate. No. We, know, oh we know Dad Power is going to light up at the rate. And I'm going You're not Jake Berger. About Gabe, are you? No. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's who they need in the clubhouse. They, that's who they need. They need him and Killer K in the White Sox clubhouse telling guys how they feel. 
<laughs> so, Gonzo, I select Jake Berger. Justin, you are now on the clock. All right. Well, fuck it. I'll take the easy way out. I'm going to pick the best pitcher in the American League. Dylan Cease to right the ship against Shane McClanahan. Round two. He's got one start this week. That's good selection. Yeah. He only has one start. Yeah, he only has one start. Doesn't matter. If he wins, I win. What do you okay. mean? No, you don't, because he has to actually have a really good start to win with one start. You don't think Dylan Cease is capable of a really good start? I'm not saying that. I'm saying he can still win the game and not like for you to win with a pitcher, you have to have like a really good start. Yeah, we got seven six, in, seven in and got, 12 Ks, three walks and a run. We got six games this week, one start. It'd have to be incredible for me to. Well, I shouldn't say me judge it because we have Eric now to help judge the election. <laughs> See how you're going to judge it. No, no, but no, I agree though. Like if C's, if C's wins a game, like I gave up six and walked 10, but I still got the W, it's not, it's not a good week. All right, Justin, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you if Dylan throws a no hitter or, or a perfect game while we're there. Those are overrated, but. Hey, hey, hush. He's going up against McClanahan. So if he throws a no hitter or perfect game. He throws a, I want to get an eight inning. If Cease is capable of throwing a seven to eight inning, one run, like I get what he did against Houston, that would win him the week. If okay. if he throws if he throws no hair perfect game, I'm not I'm I'm not getting on a plane flying back to the border. I'm staying. I'm I'm gonna have all my gear sent here, and I'm I'll work security at the rate instead of work at the border. That's 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 what's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> all right, Slav Slav is on the board, and uh, he's not here with us. And um, his number one selection is available. He literally put in order Vaughn, Colas, Elvis. So the fact, Justin, that you didn't pick Vaughn, so he could have went with Colas. I'm upset, but that's okay. Yeah. No, it's okay. He's got Vaughn. We're going to give him Vaughn. I obviously Vaughn. picked the best option available, Gonzo. Are you I, I get it. I get it. Slav, you bastard. You got your selection with, with Opie. All right. That leaves us. And we're going to give Eric a selection for the hell of it. Um, but it's going to go Junior. Junior, Berger, Cease, Vaughn, Eloy. I'll let, I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let Eric and pick his selection first because I'm still up in, in the air with mine. <laughs> go ahead, Man, like, we need a successful week, right? Like, we need one. Sox need one between a winning record by the next time you guys go. And I think the only way that goes is if Robert comes out of his slump. So give me the lease. Mm. That's strong, especially when we fucking threw him under the bus, drove the bus over him, parked the bus. Yeah, but it's baseball. Like, you know, the guy that's doing the worst does the best. Yeah. The guy that's doing the best does the worst. Like, it's baseball. Yeah. You got Parco Martin, right, OJ? No, I was going to pick Moncada, but he's probably not going to be back. Um, I was going to pick Lance Lynn. I think Lance, I was going to pick Lance Lynn. I think that his comments about his weight are really going to piss him off. And he's either going to pitch well or he's going to beat up Steve Stone. So I don't know how that's <laughs> either one, either one would win. Either one would win. Um, I know he's not happy about his weight, uh, his weight comments. Fat guys are cool until they, you know, they call you out on your weight. Only your friends can make fun of you. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with Colas. I think that I, I, I really feel like the kid, it's going to be a little bit warmer. I think that he, I think that he's due. Um, Again, I think they just need to let him be free. 
Just let Colas be Colas. I think he's going to have a good week. Um, I'm going to go with Colas because I, I, I'll take Colas over. I take Benetton. He had like a week, but Lenny Sosa is not even like, you know, Romy, Lenny. Like they don't even play enough. Again, I could I thought, probably win the week with Sebi. I like Colas. I thought, I thought you were going Kopech for sure. Two starts in a game against Minnesota after you just revved up. He's got to win that one. I thought you were going to go Kopech for sure. You know what? I'm going to switch it. <laughs> Screw it. How? Should I? No, 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 no. I don't know. Now that he's got two starts, but you know what? I'm going to switch it. I'm going to make a an audible. I wanted Colas, so, but Kopech. You know why? Because this is like my last. This is like when we're talking about when you draw the line. Junior, think about By the way, it. Think about it. Series finale tomorrow. Co- you're choosing Kopech and then Kopech again at home. But can he, but he, if he beats the Twins, doesn't he get extra points for that? No. That's up to Eric. He's he's judging this one right now. I'm just I'm just saying though, like like what happened if he wins tomorrow? Like and and, and I could I could literally win a victory. Like I could either be yeah. out of it by the first day, or I can literally be like, wow, he's going in with a chance to. And I, by the way, he could still win it with a good start tomorrow and not. Yeah. And plus, you no, probably got a getaway lineup tomorrow. He's going against. That's true. So if he, yeah, I'm gonna how go about with, this? If he wins on Monday, I'll count that as two wins. Okay, I'm just saying. I want to. So you know what? The only reason I'm going to go with Michael Kopech, I did not. Remember, I did not remember he had two starts, but I'm going to go with Michael Kopech because for me, this is the the point in the season where you say, "Can this guy help us more in the bullpen?" Mm-hmm. And I give the kid. I, I love Martin Davis, by the way. He's like the guy that no one ever counts on, but every time they've brought him up to pitch, he's pitched amazing in the big leagues. The only numbers that count are the big league numbers. Okay. Whatever you do in AAA means crap. Whatever you do in, in spring training means crap. Every time this kid's been given the ball, he delivers. Okay? So right now, Michael Kopech, they need to decide if this guy is going to be a starter and be Dylan Cease in the future or if he's going to be Ronaldo Lopez, the American version. Okay? And the sooner they figure that out with a bullpen that needs more help, okay, than a third-world country right now, they need more help than Venezuela itself. They need man. Literally, that's what they're saying. Because people are like talking about by the way, people are talking about that Liam Hendricks is coming back from like like a an ingrown toenail. This guy just he just beat cancer. Okay, the big C word. He's not coming like he looks great in the pictures. Coming back from that type of like, you know, I don't know what he did, chemo or whatever, you, you probably feel horrible. It's gonna yeah. take him some time to like bounce back and and you know, I'm thinking like probably June, best case scenario, July maybe. So they need a they need bullpen help. Michael Kopech, if he does not do well in these two starts, at least to show them like he can continue the year pitching, I didn't need to consider we might make a move for him in the pen. We might give one of the younger guys a start in that starting spot. That's just my take, so I'm going to ride with it because if he does do well in these two games against two very good teams, I think it could be the beginning of like a, a brighter May and June for Michael Kopech. Yeah, and if he, he sucks, he should streak, cut his if, man bun. If he ends the streak of losses, which is now what? Seven? Six. Six straight losses. If he, it's if not he stops, that bad either. Six is not no, horrible. No, if he stops this and he beats the Twins, he wins. Like, I don't yeah. care if Luis Robert hits 33 home runs this week. Like, he just Correct. Won. I agree. Yeah. And again, six games with, oh man, the White Sox fans are panicking. Six so games. Let, yeah, let, me, let me ask you 162 ain't for everybody. 162 ain't for everybody. <laughs> Hey, like six games, not a lot of games, guys. Six games is not that. Six no. games is not a lot of losing streak. That's like a. There's a lot of teams that lose six games in a row. Hypo, hypothetically hey, junior. speaking, hold on. Uh, hypothetically speaking, if Michael Kopech wins these two starts, is the World Series parade back 
in order. <laughs> the World Series parade. So the World Series parade is not back in order because only teams that have been the year pre- previous can say that. I, I think that wow. the White Sox fans in the White Sox front office throw the World wow. Series like it's a like it's a like it's the NBA like it's you're making the NBA playoffs. Like to go to the World Series, dude, it takes luck. Luck. Like you could be a really good team. You got to have luck. The ball's got to bounce your way, even with a good team. You got to get hot in that right moment. So great yeah, teams ask, have not won. Ask the Dodgers, Mets, and Braves of last year. They all won 100-plus. By the way, if you ask Ozzie Gian what team was better, like execution-wise, the 2006 team or the 2005 team, he's like 2006 teams made way less mistakes than the 2005 team for him as a manager. But they I didn't, didn't get hot you, at the right moment. I did want to ask you one question. Why? It was nice to meet you too, by the way. But like, I didn't want to ask you one question while you're here. Like your dad, early season, preseason, um, you know, they were doing aggressive takes, wild takes, or whatever. He picked Rafal to be the manager of the year. Yeah. Did he think that much of his spring training and his stuff? Was he around some of that? Before, that before spring, tra- before spring training. So, yeah. Number one, you have a roster that extremely hurt, won 81 games. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The reason that Ozzy liked the opportunity for this job is because this team has talent. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have the horses. They just never ran the big race. Okay. So from what he's heard from Pedro Griffal, like meaning from what he's heard around baseball, uh, he was like, Pedro's not going to mess it up. And I, Ozzy really thinks Pedro has a really, really good coaching staff. They haven't really talked about it them a lot, but the coaching staff that's around Pedro is a legit coaching staff. It's probably the best coaching staff the White Sox have had since probably Ozzy was the manager from a coaching like ability standpoint, like really right. well-respected guys in the game of baseball, like really well-respected guys. So he was like, if Pedro wins, if Pedro gets in the playoffs or even like, like flirts with them, he's a manager of the year because you get the votes for manager of the year happen before you win the world series, right? Like the playoffs don't count. So he really thought that because he thinks that, you know, that the guys might bounce back from the injuries. And then again, that they were not, that they might play a little bit better. And then with 84, 85 wins, he thought that you could win the division. Yeah. Just like he thought if he like, these people don't understand when Ozzy took the job, like Ozzy's such a baseball guy. Like Ozzy did not interview thinking this team's only going to be good if I'm the manager. Like there's things that he had, like from a factor that he's like, maybe I'll do things different, but he was like, whoever takes the managing job has just as much as a good chance of winning it. If I was the manager, sure. You know, that that's how he sees it from like his baseball perspective of, you know, and, and Pedro Grafal is a guy that on paper, again, he's learning on the go. He is really well prepared. He's probably the only person in that front office the only person that might be able to talk Pedro Griffal baseball face-to-face other than his coaching staff is Kenny Williams. Anybody else cannot sit and talk to Pedro about baseball. N- literally no one, including Rick Hahn. Like, Rick Hahn should ask Pedro, what do you think about this? That's how highly Pedro knows the game and has been around the game and has done Rick Hahn's job and probably should have been a general manager 10 years ago before he ever became a, ba- a coach on the field again at the big league level. So I, I think that wasn't a crazy take. Uh... I think we're still waiting. Again, managers have different styles. I hope that Pedro snaps. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I hope that he loses it because, by the way, Rick Renteria used to snap. Like, Rick Renteria was fighting everybody. Renteria would argue with – Renteria would I – I want fans to go back and see how many times Rick Renteria pulled guys out of game. Yeah. Yeah. He would pull them left and right. He would pull guys left and right. He did not care. 
We did not see that from Tony. We're hoping that Pedro at some point says, you know what? Because Ozzy sees himself a lot in Pedro. In 04, when Ozzy took the White Sox, he was like, this, ta- this team is talented, but it's missing something. And Ozzy said, I have two choices. I either go down the, with the way that I want to go down, or I just babysit these guys for the next three years and not win. And he was like, F it, I'm going my way. And basically started throwing guys under the bus, you know, making it awkward and, and guys that didn't come back. And Kenny supported him on that. But Pedro needs to do that. If Pedro's going to be like, oh, it's okay, he had a good outing because he wants to, like, make guys happy, he's going to have the same crappy results for the next three years. He, like, he needs to decide and say, okay, if I'm going to go down with my guys, I'm going down with my guys. Because Pedro Grifo, dude, if you look at his life, Pedro Grifo is not like, does not like players that don't hustle, does not like players that don't try hard because he, nothing's ever been easy for him. He never made it to the big leagues. He was never a guy like, a, just a super talented guy that just baseball came easy to. He was never a guy that just got a big league job and coach. Like he literally has grind for everything that he's done in baseball to get back to the big leagues. Like this guy went from like bullpen catcher, literally translator after he had been like minor league director and all this to being a big league manager, like that type of work, like guys really reflect to that. So if you're on the team and he doesn't think that you're playing hard or that you're, or like you're wasting your talent, he doesn't like you. And that's something that those type of guys are built differently than guys that have been big league guys. So I, I really think that Pedro, I still think that he can pull it off at least competing for the division. I really do. Cool. Yeah, me too. Me too. Now, uh, Eric, again, this is Eric Wilson from Ray's Juke Joint. Um, Eric, we're going to wrap it up. Um, is there any shout-outs you want to give and also uh, do a little promoting for what you guys got going on right now and where people can find you? Yeah, um, Ray's Juke Joint's on Twitter. Um, I want to sh- for sure shout-out Ray and Elise. You know, whatever. I miss being in spaces, Woo-hoo! you know had a little you know family stuff to do on a handle but uh got dad situated this week so i'm hoping that maybe that uh we'll be live every night for the most part doing these twitter spaces and talking about what we just did right here basically this would be an example of a rachel junction we go through what's happened in the game and what we see happen in the future so come jump in everybody's welcome but white Sox, by the way if i was a general manager i would literally turn into these spaces like if i needed help i would start listening to all the help i could get yeah because sometimes you post. listen to these spaces. no i'm saying some of these times you listen to these spaces and you're like man like that that makes a lot of sense the other day i heard in one that said is oscar is oscar colas potentially going to be a first baseman and i'm like holy crap they have a point yeah like oh, he's he a heavy one. kid already yeah and he was one previously so like yes it's possible. yeah so it's like so if they want andrew vaughn and you can get something a lot in return do you move andrew do you move burger like like yeah. you could really do some movements and i heard that in a space now, yeah. if if you if you are a coach or a GM and you come into the space and you hear Italian bull lead, saying you should lead off with fucking Yasmani Grandal, then what do you do? You lose your job. You know what? I wouldn't. You know, you don't lose your job because there's an idiot in the front office that would suggest that. My dad got told that he should lead off with Carlos Quinton and he should lead off with Jim Tomey. Yeah. And that person was getting paid by the White Sox to be in the front office. What? Yeah, dude. They yes, that happened. That's a fact. That's not a lie. That's a fact. That's a lineup they brought down. And they wonder why the guy would be like, get out of my face. You're an idiot. Because he would get a lot on base. But that's like, yes, he's also the best player on the team. He could hit first, second, third, fourth, fifth, right. sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. He's the best player on the damn team. He's Jim Tomey. Yeah. That's but people, man. by the way, but people that get into analytics and get nuts and get obsessed with the numbers, say shit like that. 
Do you think? Do you think that if Tim Anderson gets traded to the Braves, do you think he's going to lead off? No. Fucking Ronald Acuna's there. Ozzy Albis hits too. Like he's not going to lead off. He'll hit six or seven. I mean, that's it does not make him there. a bad. It does not make him less of a baseball player. It's just how you fit on the roster, and mm-hmm. that's what the and that's what Griffal's trying to figure out. Like when he's like, oh, he's got Ben attending hitting third. He's like, no shit, because he hasn't ha- he hasn't figured out who's going to hit third. And right now that Tim Anderson's gone, he's throwing whatever you know. Well, I think a couple. I think a couple points to that. You know, Ray and I talked about it on our show. Like, I think he put Ben Attendee third. I know a lot of people freak out. We don't have the power numbers to hit third. No, 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 no. Well, think about why he's doing it. There's a reason why he's doing it. He knows what his power numbers are. There's a reason why. Like, you wanted a guy there. The plan, I believe, initially was to steal more, and they were. And I think that they wanted a guy there that understood game score situation of every situation it could take a pitch or take two pitches and let T.A. and Robert steal those bags or move those bags or potentially do that stuff. I think that was the initial plan. They wanted a situational hitter there that could understand where they were. And they wanted to give freedom. You don't want to hit Eloy third because if you're going to be running, because you don't want him taking pitches. Like, so like there's reason and rhymes behind everything, but like, no, I'm with you. I agree. He also wanted a smart player that could follow the signs and say, don't swing. Because if you put one of the other guys that are not at the acronym of a hitter, <laughs> they might be swinging. Again, We <laughs> let's say it as it is. There's some dumb players out there. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, everybody, Sox lose on the road in Toronto, 7 to nothing. We were here for it. My bank account. <laughs> Junior is again losing money and hopefully he bounces back this week on the bets. Tune Co-pack, in, baby. Follow us. Two wins. Mm-hmm. Go on mm-hmm. to YouTube and go subscribe to the Gian Grid and also follow our Twitter page, Blackout Show Shy. Give us a follow. Everyone, thanks for watching. Thanks for following and listening to us banter about this trash of a performance that we've been seeing lately. I am Chris Gonzalez. Two, I'm my right-hand partner next to me is Justin Lee and Ozzy Jr., who is always a pleasure to join us and give us all of the knowledge that we need. And last but not least, Eric Wilson from Ray's Juke Joint. Thanks Thank for having you, me, boys. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. A pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, and everyone, tune in for next week. We will be back with Episode 9.